0: Eddie Murphy gets elected, classic cartoons close out Christmas, and the worst comedy sequel ever made this week on 302010.
1: 302010, 302010. Three decades every show, sometimes associated videos. 302010, 302010. Surprises are awaiting if we're going to the 80s and the 90s. And 20s on 30,
0: 20, 10. Hello everyone, and welcome to 302010 Blazor Time Network's weekly pop culture time machine, taking you on a Pop culture journey 30, 20, and 10 years ago into the best of pop culture anniversaries. We're talking movies, TV, video games, music, and so very much more. Hello, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antista. Who else is with me?
2: I'm Diana Goodman, the hot dad, soccer dad.
3: And I'm J.R. Rawls. And did I ever tell you what the definition of insanity is? Insanity is doing the exact same fucking thing over and over again, expecting shit to change. That is...
0: Crazy. I'm so sick of that being defined as insanity, because that is the definition of most people's work. (laughs) Uh, Yes, not very helpful, but welcome to another episode of 302010. We are officially in December, about to close out our seventh season. Uh, There's a bunch of holiday offerings and some very, very weird, noteworthy movie offerings. It's a crazy week. Uh, I cannot wait to get into it. With you you got to thank our patrons right off the bat. Patreon.com/slash/LaserTime. Uh, we had the we had both a video game apocalypse, which is our Friday video game show. Get that wherever you listen to podcasts. Where we talked about the Wii U's tenth anniversary, my least favorite Nintendo platform. JR. and Steve Guntley of Wii Universe and I uh, break down all the launch the launch details of the Wii U, the little system that couldn't. Listen to Patreon.com/slash/LaserTime. time. 5 bucks supports this show and everyone everyone else in the LaserTime network. Anyway.
3: JR, thank you for joining the show. I know you're not feeling great. Uh yes, I have lost my COVID gold star mm-hmm. status. I am mm. sick with the roid at the moment, but pushing on through. You
0: are now the second host ever to record with a with a bit of COVID. Yeah. And, that,
2: and then there was one.
0: Yes. <laughs> and then there was one. <laughs> Stop laughing like that. This is exactly how you get it inhaling more. <laughs> and uh, Anyway, let's move on with the show. December 2nd through the 8th, we're going to be talking about three decades, 1992, 2002, and 2012. Thirty twenty ten, get it? Tell a friend about the show. Anyway, let's begin as we always do in 1992, December 2nd through the 8th. A little bit of news to bring you into the world of 30, uh, thirty twenty ten or 1992, rather. U.N. Security Council votes unanimous for the U.S.-led forces to enter Somalia. Uh, President George H.W. Bush orders 28,000 U.S.
3: troops to Somalia, and the Uh, world cheered. You know, uh, H.W. Bush had one of the busiest lame duck periods (laughs) in American history. I'm serious. Two wars. There was a lot of stuff going down after Clinton was elected. But before he became president and this is just one of them and uh we're going to talk about a few more that go up like literally to the day before clinton is inaugurated uh hw bush is giving military instructions to troops it's it's kind of amazing right and that's right it's a very it's a very political moment right now
0: on 1992 mm-hmm. movies and TV uh, that will be that's been reflected the entire time. But uh, I just thought that was worth mentioning because I forgot George H. W. Bush is out but still president, he, and yep. so we might see more things coinciding with uh, that.
2: Yeah, and. Um- we hadn't, I mean, the, the last war we had was the, the first Persian Gulf War where we kicked so much ass and we're like, oh, we got this. We're great. Everything's going to work out great. We're going in with big old UN coalition. And I remember our first troops landing on the beach there Blinded by photographers taking their pictures.
3: Wow. Okay. It's really embarrassing. uh, Humanitarian aid. This is that's why it's a unanimous vote from the UN Security Council. It's it's the goal is hey these people are starving, get food to them, U.S. military, and we'll get into Black Hawk Down in a bit. But yeah, yeah, really,
2: yeah. But Uh, yeah, they they've been having a civil war, and half the country is starving. That's bad. Yeah. So we should be helping. That's Indeed. good.
0: That's good. Uh, not good uh, is another part of the world. Three hundred thousand Hindu. What? Yeah, three hundred thousand destroyed the mosque of uh, a India, triggering riots all over in, the Indian subcontinent, resulting in the death of around two thousand people. Holy shit.
3: Yeah, so this is actually a huge deal in Indian history. Uh, this is a big event in the rise of the Hindu nationalist party. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what ha- the basic super dumb summary is that uh, when the Brits invaded and conquered, uh, they enforced forced segregation for worshipers in the areas they ruled, especially India of the Muslims and the Hindus of this mosque the but after independence the Hindu majority said this mosque has always been a Hindu temple before that Hindu temple was destroyed by the uh, Islamic invaders, and they put up a mosque, so therefore we should be able to place our Hindu idols in the mosque. They then put a Hindu idol in the mosque, which is a huge no-no for Muslims, and that set off a never-ending conflict that culminated in this riot, which led to a huge rise in Hindu nationalism. And uh, some of the most powerful men in India today had their hand in orchestrating the destruction that went on during these riots
2: well it's not like it was important it was only 450 years old yeah you know what? God damn it but it's on you know it's it's on, it makes me think of the temple mount thing where it's like oh but this is supposed to be the birthplace of rama it's we can't have a mosque on it it's like you can have both rama would be okay with that right
0: thank
1: rama god doesn't
2: want you to kill everybody that's all
0: yeah unless you're really mad apparently then he's okay with being ignored same goes for all religions apparently uh <sighs> I say I do have a solution to this, and it's later in the episode. If only there was a drug that got rid of all feelings and all wars. Uh, man, I cannot wait for later in the show. Uh, let's move on to the movies. Because uh, movies, Home Alone 2, Lost in New York is still number one at the box office and will become one of the highest grossing of this year and maybe next because it keeps on going after Christmas. I did want to mention for music, I'd never seen this before, Darlene Love is back on the charts because Stephen Van Sant wrote a song for this soundtrack, uh, like "Alone Again at Christmas," with the E Street Band and swapping out Bruce Springsteen for Darlene Love. It doesn't Damn. go very high in the charts, and you've definitely heard it if you see Home Alone 2 But I'd never seen the video, and behind the production board, moving all the knobs, is Macaulay Culkin in a leather jacket. I've never seen, I've never <laughs> seen that before, and I kept forgetting to mention it. But it's worth lo- it's worth watching for Home Alone fans. Also, in movies. Oh god, Bell a po- Bell a Bell Bellapack. Yep. With Fernando Ferran Gomez, Jorge Sanz, Penelope Cruz, Miriam Diaz, uh Oroca and a name that is cut off on my browser. Ah, Ariadana, Ariadna Gill. There we go. How about mm-hmm. that?
2: Uh yeah, Bellapack. Um man, I wish this were closer to 2010 because uh there's a scene in the fighter where it like Maki Mak Mack tries to impress Amy Adams by taking her to a foreign film, and takes her to Bella and they're really bored. And I feel like that's a joke on them more than anyone else, because Bella is a Spanish sex comedy. Oh, and it's funny and weird, and I really like it. Um, yeah, I think it wins the uh, best foreign language film at the Oscars that year. When you know it like cleaned up at the the Spanish film awards, but it takes place during the Spanish Civil War. And this guy sort of, it's like a farmer's daughter joke. This guy like ends up at this house, this guy and all his horny daughters and all his horny daughters start like each, <laughs> each uh, seducing him in their own special way. And it's just weird. It's, it's very silly in a very like detached European way. Yeah. Belle Epoque is actually pretty funny and odd and weird and European and. Well, yeah, just Penelope Cruz is like a tiny baby in it.
0: Just what this week needed, a funny movie, because the only other movie released this week had me thinking as a little kid,
3: like, do I not like Eddie Murphy anymore? We and... are on his downgrade. I've said it before in a couple of other films. We, we passed peak Eddie Murphy. But he bounces back in the public eye, and then we talked about Pluto
0: Nash earlier this summer. So... Yeah, he's, he's, he's headed towards – well, he's headed away from that flawless period from 1982 to now. And uh, yeah. this is what I was mentioning earlier because I, if you go back and look at the promotions for this, they wanted to make sure they promoted this during the election cycle when everybody's running political programming because I had written down something like this sea of dead amazing – Alcoholic character actors. Like, uh, I'm only saying that because they, <laughs> they all look like, di- like disappointed Republican dads. I love all these character actors. G McBride, his first movie. Uh, Victor Ooh. Rivers. Charles S. Dutton. That's rock, baby. Kevin McCarthy of Nation <laughs> the, of the Body Snatchers fame. Grant Schaude. Victoria uh, Rowell. Joe Don Baker. Mitchell. Uh, Cheryl yeah. Lee Ralph and Eddie Murphy in The, the Distinguished Gentleman. From Hollywood Pictures, Thomas Johnson con man. An artist. A con artist. Is about to become Thomas Johnson congressman. <laughs> He's what America needs.
1: Read my lips.
0: And Congress deserves. Well, I'm very flattered, Mr. Chairman. Dick. Well, I'm very flattered, Mr. Dick. Eddie Murphy. I'm the man. The distinguished gentleman.
2: Oh, dick. Just dick.
0: Oh, just dick. Just plain old dick. Rated R. Man, I was going to grab that clip it's like this is the
3: only part
0: of the movie that made me laugh watching it again Mm -hmm. and it's in the trailer somehow
3: read my lips had such a pop cultural impact i mean it was referenced in every (laughs) cheesy way you could imagine it being referenced I, i can't think of a single line of the last like 10 years that has stuck around that much as, yeah, and again it's, it's possible it's, exception of grabbing by the pussy it's it's dana car <laughs>
0: it's all dana carvey because that line would have gone away like the coverage of every other debate no other president on snl has really given a catchphrase but dana carvey was so good at that he may, i think he made he's single-handedly
3: responsible for making that line more famous jesus now i'm wondering if uh dana carvey is the most uh like had the biggest impact of anyone on SNL because Bush lost because he said <laughs> "read my lips" was a big reason his his uh, Republican supporters didn't really like that. So,
2: mm. so how did you watch this? This is I could not Fucking, even find this available for dude, rental. that's it's if, disappeared and it's Hollywood Pictures. It's a, a Disney,
0: Disney film and it is gone. It is an abandoned film, and oh, part of that I wonder.
3: You know how well, Eddie Murphy four. Who really wants to see right. this nineteen ninety two political comedy? It's...
2: Well, I mean, the point of it is that uh Congress is full of grifters who just want lobbying money and not actually doing anything.
0: Hey, look, that's yeah, That's fine. That's fine. I think it's more it kind of operates as if this is the first black guy elected to anything, which is a concept that you know even given even America's race problems now, that's pretty weird and uh, uh, seriously because there were multiple comedies in the works. What if a black guy became president that came out 10 years later? because it's it's a very old style, I don't know, political but comedy. But Eddie Murphy
3: isn't president here. He's just a congressman. He's one of like 500 dudes, I right?
0: Know. Yes, mm. yes. But like still, like we hadn't seen a lot of like black guy goes to Washington stuff. And oh. uh, I, I think that was part mm-hmm. of the appeal. Eddie Murphy, is that Eddie Murphyist, It's just boring. And there's a couple of lines in here that are just, if Eddie Murphy was uncomfortable with some of his material in Raw, a lot of that material here is just as racist and homophobic. And yeah. I just have to wonder like, beyond sexuality or violence there's probably no one rooting for this movie to be seen again and there really is no reason to other than other than all these wonderful character actors i think
2: yeah it's so disappointing after you know his last movie we talked about was boomerang which Mm -hmm. is like the little uptick in the unfortunate run between i'd say coming to america and uh, nutty professor where it's just like he keeps making movies and it's like a good idea oh, this could be something, Vampire in Brooklyn. How about th- No.
3: Mm.
2: No. And, Boomerang and, was so much fun. Yeah. Do,
3: yep. do you know uh, what the next major movie uh, for Eddie Murphy after this is going to be? No. Oh, no. Beverly Hills Cop 3. Oh, boy. The oh, best one.
0: Damn. The be- <laughs> damn. And, uh. and in case we didn't tell the plot, uh, what is his name? Uh, th- Thomas Jefferson... J- a, a, a senator dies in the Middle of Sex, and it's also James Garner. Yeah. And uh he dies, and Eddie Murphy Thomas decides Jefferson Johnson. Jefferson Johnson, and Eddie Murphy has a similar na- his character has a similar name. He's a con man and decides to get all his bumper stickers, keep his campaign going un- under his name, hoping people will vote <laughs> for him, not bothering to look at who the actual candidate is. And that in that sense, like that was happening in the country. Dead people were winning office. <laughs> People didn't pay a lot of attention to elect- politics on this level.
2: Yeah, there's, uh, yeah. There, there's a good satirical idea in there that's like people people aren't paying attention. They don't know he died. Yeah.
0: They, this, this they don't the, know what
2: he looks like. This they is the just incumbent. recognize the name. Mm-hmm. Sure. Whatever. Yeah, it's but, the incumbent. The incumbent always has uh, the name recognition. It's
0: a by the numbers comedy. Like you could write it yourself. It f- unfolds the exact same way, and it's not very interesting.
2: Is Does he get like inspired at the end, maybe? To yes. like save democracy,
0: yes, well, and
2: maybe ex- maybe expose the corrupt guys and not democracy,
0: but but to sort of a yeah, buoy himself up a little bit and yeah. something that I assume, oh I would lo- I would love to bore a lawyer with what how the ending would hold up in court, yeah, you were <laughs> legally recording everybody, and they were elected officials. There's probably a law there in Washington there's that a do bunch it. of laws, yes,
3: yeah. <laughs> that's, that's kind of Nixon. that's kind of what he went down for, yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, but yeah, I I find nothing remarkable about this movie. Do not recommend it at all. Have not watched it since I rented it and was disappointed in it and feel the exact same way. But interesting that it's an abandoned Eddie Murphy movie. That's uh, it, That we very rarely come across something like that because it wasn't a total substantial... It was it didn't do well, but it wasn't like a major bomb anybody talks about. And we'll move on to television with that because some comedy uh, that did get some headlines. 1992, December 2nd through the 8th. On Saturday Night Live, Wayne's World makes fun of Chelsea... Chelsea's Clinton's looks, and I believe they... Yeah, yeah. So this was a hey. Wayne's
3: World sketch.
2: Asterisk, she's 12. Yeah. yeah. There is yeah. nothing more fragile than the, self, the self-confidence the of a 12-year-old.
3: Mm-hmm. Just, yeah, just and cool. uh, the, the Wayne's World boys were talking about how hot uh, Tipper Gore's daughters were, and then how uh, Chelsea was not... So uh, this got a lot of flack. I think President Clinton wrote, President-elect Clinton talked to SNL about this, Mm -hmm. and they edited it out of all future broadcasts. There's just a, like, skip from, it's a top ten list, and it's a skip from, like, number three to number one. I
0: I knew this. Yes, I, I, I know exactly where this is now Uh, because they even blur it out on on certain certain occasions but yeah like i i heard this live and i i just remember now mostly dana carvey is like yeah we shouldn't have done that that was that was dumb uh yeah
2: she's 12 she's really gawky she's got frizzy hair and braces and freckles and like come on everyone looks awful when they're 12 and if they don't i don't trust you
0: and uh for me it's it's If you don't know, I'm a huge fan of Christmas specials, used to write a Christmas blog every day on a cartoon Christmas, reviewing Christmas specials, and this week is special to me because it's got Christmas and cartoons bookending things in a lot of weird ways. Uh, One, we technically, very technically have the last episode of Tiny Toon Adventures. It had been over, new episodes have been over for a while. They were producing very little just to keep it in syndication, but... It's not promoted as the last episode, but it is interesting. If you listen, it is a primetime special that airs. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a wonderful Tiny Toons Christmas, which probably fucked up your perception of It's a Wonderful Life from now and forever.
3: Sunday. Hiya, holiday toonsters. Steven Spielberg and the Toons are putting a loony twist on a holiday classic. I'm your guardian tune angel. It's a star-studded spectacular.
2: Hey, hi! I'm the ghost of Christmas past. Beam me up, Santa,
3: featuring all your favorite
0: characters.
3: I feel like I'm in a bad episode of Quantum Leap. You'll see the tunes like you've never seen them before. Prepare yourselves for a dynamite performance! It's a
0: wonderful Tiny Toons Christmas special, Sunday at seven, six central. Neat. Uh, uh
3: I'm, neat. I'm shocked that it got a, a commercial because. I can't recall anything in syndication that got an advertisement of, this is the last episode. You know, that wasn't really the point of syndication. But it it was, I want to say it was like, Fox had that
0: syndication right, nailed down. Like, Tiny Toons kind of made that block and was pretty pretty famous with adults and kids at that point. And they would go on to have two more specials uh, a few years later, but this is the... Very, very end of the production cycle. And I think Tiny Toons holds up really well. The animation in this episode in particular looks great. Jimmy Stewart is the Clarence
3: role in the It's a Wonderful Life parody. so That's (laughs) nice. Nice. I like that touch. Uh, But yeah, there were about, what, six different studios that animated Tiny Toons throughout its run. This is TMS,
0: baby, and it looks great. It looks great. And another thing I love about Christmas specials, and we'll be talking about this in multiple segments is for better or for worse, gets a uh, Christmas special with a Christmas angel. Because of the template Charlie Brown Christmas set up, pretty much every, the, almost every comic strip got to have a pilot based around a holiday. It became a thing. Like, this is your pilot project. We'll introduce it as a special. And as a kid, it, it really did seem so special to have something in primetime totally that you totally felt because
3: we were reading newspaper comics yeah. literally yeah. every day. It was like the morning wake up before school yeah get the newspaper turn to the funnies don't really read anything else in the newspaper at that point nope read that uh 30 second clip but do it every day for years and then it's like these characters who i've read about for years are now gonna be on my screen mm-hmm. yay i can't wait to see what they are and
0: i'm a big fan of for better for worse it was one of the only comic strips that age their characters in real time uh, i found it fascinating lynn johnson who wrote it when she like got a divorce and went through some life changes, and rebooted the strip with using the same art but rewriting the dialogue to cha- to reflect how she feels now about the... It's not uh-huh. uninteresting. It was I think it's a, it was a failed experiment. But this special is. It goes between like oh this is cool and like this is fucking awful like they there's <laughs> an incredibly creepy song a dad the dad puts the daughter to bed and then sings like a four-minute maudlin song to her about how beautiful and lovely she is like this doesn't be, this doesn't belong here at all <laughs> god damn i hate this but uh that's all on youtube as well and if you think that's the only notable animated christmas thing that happens <laughs> 30 years ago a short film created by who's this trey parker and matt so- matt stone
2: Oh, the kids from University of Colorado?
0: Right, yes, as part of their they're thesis. They're literally
2: still college students. Yeah, they're and they've I made
0: out-of-construction paper. And I I remember seeing uh, the next South Park episode, which will be made three years later, and that's the one you probably know the story of, started as a Christmas right. card for a Fox mm-hmm. executive. George Clooney circulated around. It's the, Without the internet, that's how long it took this executive to see and act on this special. It took three years. Yep. And it looks uh. far cruder than South Park ever will, because I think there's only technically three things animated with actual construction paper. The first episode, the thing that follows this, and Jesus and Frosty, from which we have a clip. Does this need contextualization? Because it's really weird.
2: Just hearing it, you'll be like, oh, that's obvious." fucking South Park. It's yeah. exactly South Park. But if you're watching it, there is something very wrong.
3: Yeah, there's enough where it's like, Did I slip into a slightly different dimension? Not, not, you know, not like a Nazi win uh, dimension, (laughs) but maybe like a uh, second term Jimmy Carter dimension. You know, that, that amount of difference. Oh my God! Frosty killed Kitty, Dude, I told you not to put that fucking hat on Frosty's fucking head, now didn't I? Well, I'm sorry, Mr. Rocket fucking scientist. What are we supposed to do now? I don't know what we're supposed
2: to Wait.
0: And it's so bizarre because Cartman is Kenny.
2: Was... Yeah.
0: In this. Yeah,
2: it's it's the same design as Cartman, but that's Kenny and that's who gets killed. But then the same design as Kenny with this his hood all done up. He comes running up too. It's like what just happened?
3: It is it is Did either of you ever see these be passed around by tapes before the no. south park show no, i saw it at no. the
0: spike and mike twisted animation festival and that's kind of like uh. it was like right in south park's first season heyday and they landed the rights these these things were kind of unairable on com well, even on comedy yeah. central at the time well, so, yeah
2: they're swearing
0: they are sw- yeah. they're swearing a that's lot that's half
2: a- the joke it's animated and it's kids and they're swearing
0: but it's 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 all there you got the santa character frosty you might never see again in south park i think you do eventually but it does end with jesus coming out and killing frosty when he's in the lead and that would be the basis for the next one jesus versus santa which is that is very much the pilot for what south park would become so south park just had its 25th anniversary it's technically 30 given that it started here even though it didn't Mm -hmm. have the name south park interesting and so that's that's yeah that's three animated notable things for uh for one segment, and we have one to go. Uh, there's also the TV movie To Grandmother's House We Go with Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen. Joining them is real Perlman. Oh, Jerry Van Dyke. God, and
3: this is unbelievably cheesy. I mean, you I, I watched a YouTube video that said the best moments from it. Mm-hmm. And oh, gosh, if those are the best moments, what they didn't show must be comedy gold because holy crud, is this just nothing but... Do you like to see little kids... Talking. That's our plot. Poorly.
0: Yeah. Uh, th- again, like I'm, I'm just a little younger than you guys, and the Mary Kate and Ashley Olson thing was fucking baffling to me. Like, yeah. who is? And
2: this is the beginning, though. Yeah, this, this is... is the first time they have appeared as two people, not just as one person right. on Full House.
0: And they would This they is would... the
2: beginning of the Olsen twins' reign of terror.
0: Yeah, I think they, they got one theatrical movie, but they all their straight-to-video empire paved the way for their even bigger <laughs> corporation. And why they don't feel the need to work or be in anything anymore. It starts here, with the Grandmother's House We Go. And uh, speaking of, child actors Tiffany Amber Thiessen all growed up with Patty Duke in the TV movie. Also
2: all a, grown up. <laughs> a killer among friends. Right. Yeah, it's true. And it's true. Child true. Yeah. A killer among friends. This is my favorite kind of TV movie where it is based on a real story, but I'm kind of bummed it isn't a killer among friends, colon, the so-and-so, so-and-so story. <laughs> but it's about Patty Duke's daughter, who's like pretty and popular, is murdered and her best friend feels so terrible about it and really wants to find the killer and ends up like moving in with Patty Duke and surprise, she, she did it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the pretty not. popular girl's friends turned on her and fucking murdered her and that's based on a real story and it's fucking awful.
0: Pretty much. Uh, yeah.
2: pretty much. Pretty
0: much. And Patty
2: Duke did so goddamn many TV movies.
0: Yes, and I think that part of that was because, you know, if we hadn't mentioned it, I'm kind of growing up on Nick at Night, and I have no context for anybody's celebrity in there other than Bob Denver on Dobie Gillis, but I'm watching the Patty Duke show and Donna Reed show every night and not having any context for who they are. Meanwhile, people of later generations get to enjoy Patty Duke in this wonderful TV movie. Moving on to games, PC games to be specific. One of the most confusing titles I've ever seen, Spellcasting 301 Spring Spring Break. Because, yeah, and I brought okay. my Magic the so Gathering was, set to spring break. Nobody,
3: nobody was thrilled. So, this is the conclusion to the spell casting trilogy. It was supposed to be a quadrology, but I guess they ran out of money. It's basically Harry Potter meets Animal House, and uh. it's right <laughs> before wow. Harry Potter was uh, made, is what always gets me because I'm looking at this. And if you look at it today, you're thinking, well, obviously they're doing a parody of Harry Potter, but no, it's not. So the first one was Spellcasting 101, Sorcerers Get All the Girls, where Ernie Eaglebeak, your protagonist, is a freshman. The second is Spellcasting 201, the Sorcerer's Appliance, where he's a sophomore. Then Spellcasting 301, Spring Break, is where he's a junior. The never-released finale to the series, which I'm still waiting for this day, is Spellcasting 401, The Graduation Ball. Which is supposed to be him, obviously, graduating. Okay. This was part of my sexual awakening. Oh,
0: boy. Oh.
3: Yeah. The Spellcasting series is a little ribald, shall we say. And it blew my mind. And keep in mind, we're talking like... PG PG thirteen at right. best. The final one, three hundred one, was in VGA graphics, but the other two were drool VGA. Graphics. Oh, and it's like these, you know, the amount that I got turned on by these drawings <laughs> just like shocks me to this right. day. I'm like, that's that's all it took in 1992. It's that's it's it. One of those things that I think is special about
0: our generation. We have one foot in the <laughs> turn-ons of the 50s and one foot in the (laughs) streaming porn access forever generation we know both
3: yeah yeah and and this was this was uh just part of my journey and uh as a story though it's every spring break movie you can imagine crammed into one mixed up with magic i mean there's a surf competition there's a drinking competition there's a wet t-shirt contest there's a fraternity fight there's everything you could possibly want in a college spring break movie except everyone involved is a wizard using magic
0: <laughs> and please do yourself a favor and look up the cover because it is just a woman in a bikini lying on a raft in a pool with the word spring break and then really tiny up at the top one. It, it knows <laughs> it knows how it wants to sell itself it, uh, but
3: i i
2: was yeah. like, i'm sorry. But. I'm looking at some of these pictures, and it really is just, oh, it's just, you know, a normal person with just f- giant inflated <laughs> boobs.
1: That's the spell it's like you cast. They're, they're yeah, spilling
2: that's a... out of people's yep. bikinis. They're spilling out of the, the teacher's, like, mm-hmm. graduation robe she's wearing. Yeah, it's just yeah. like. it it all it's all top cleavage it's like Mm -hmm. the kind of cleavage you get when you have like a really bad breast implant where there's sort of a cleavage up (laughs) by your collarbone there's a lot of that
3: if you look at these women you know they're obviously inspired by late 80s breast implants yep by (laughs) yes you have hard (laughs) yeah (laughs) um but yeah yeah uh this is a text adventure game you type in things uh and you can type in practically anything. The game doesn't always recognize it, but it recognizes, you know, literally about a thousand uh, verbs, thousand nouns, and you just type stuff in. Uh, it's the end of the text adventure era. Uh, text adventure games were big for the beginning part of the while, but once people yep. had graphics, they were like, I'd like more than texting. Yes. And with this series, they tried to mix them. They went, you can write text and get pictures of, uh, 256 vga graphic women with 1980s boob implants Eh? yeah eh? <laughs> eh? it's, it's like um,
0: uh go- it's like googling on a one of those old nokia phones basically is what these games are like
3: Ugh. but uh yeah yeah this was a shockingly big part of uh my love of computer games at the time and i played them to the death and they'll always have a spot in my heart, and I'll always remember just, like, staying up late into the night uh, to get to the good parts. <laughs> oh, boy. oh, boy.
0: Also out this week um, in, in more authentic nerdery, uh, Might and Magic 4, Clouds of
3: Zine. Zine? Uh, so, yeah, uh, this is a... You might have played, like, Final Fantasy games where it's possible to have an all-fighter party or an all-magic party, but i got to give props to the Might and Magic series. You, this is a fantasy series where you really need both. You you need both your fighters and your magic users to win these, which is a good balancing act, I think.
0: All right. And then uh, whew, uh, with the news of Legendary Pictures leaving Warner Brothers, I'm wondering what the status of Dune Part 2 is. But <laughs> luckily we have Dune 2 released by Westwood Studios out this week.
3: So uh, you can't ever call any video game the first of its genre. But definitively, if any game, if any game is the first real-time strategy game, it's Dune 2. Mm.
1: Uh, well,
3: Yeah. So uh, I played a few minutes of this game. I never played it back in 1992. I was too busy with the spellcasting series. Um, but <laughs> uh, I played it and it clicks all those real-time strategy boxes. I can totally just feel the real-time strategy vibe is on full display in this game. And it will never, ever, ever be released because the rights are incredibly complex. It got tied up because the people who made this game had the rights to make a game based on the 1984 Dune movie, but not the Dune license in and out of itself. And then all sorts (gasps) of other residual rights called into question... And they contacted the state of the author of Dune, Herbert, and they said, "Yep." And they said they had no desire to bring back old stuff like this Dune video game. So it is you will never be able to legally buy this, but you can play it for free on a million. And I
0: I believe Westwood Studios work. That's an EA company now, so you're gonna have to tell the Madden and FIFA people. Would you mind go bending over backwards for Dune 2? <laughs> <laughs> don't it that, that yes, all the car, all the all the cards have aligned to make this impossible to re-release. Sorry, good old yep. games. Oh, well, moving on to 1992 music. We'll close out with a little bit of music. "I Will Always Love You" by Whitney Houston is still number one and probably. Well, really I'm sure that'll go away it. soon. Nah, we got what yeah. week left? Maybe two,
2: right? Yeah, let's we'll talk about it in July. <laughs>
0: And uh, new releases this week include the self-titled debut of Utah Saints and the Verve EP, the debut of the Verve, uh, finally making their own money off of the Rolling Stones music. Good for them.
2: Uh, <laughs> <This> is, <laughs> that story never gets not dumb.
0: I, st- I st- thought it was kind of beautiful. If that Bittersweet Symphony song, they used a Rolling Stones lick. They sued and w- Rolling Stones won the royalties. And I think they were like sitting atop like a 40 story pile of cash. And Mick Jagger's like, i let them have it. And that was like recently, yeah. just gave it back to them. <laughs> just go ahead, make your yeah. money off of our shit. <laughs>
2: well, it wasn't their fault, though. They sampled a album that was like orchestral versions of Rolling Stones songs. They thought they had acquired the rights to be able to do that. And turns out those fuckers hadn't. Mm. So they sampled an illegal sample, basically.
0: Let the, let, the, let the people make their money. God, it's their one hit. Yeah, it's let like,
2: them let their money.
0: Uh, Yes, but we'll close so out If I Ever Fall read. in Love by Shy, which is number two on the charts this week. But when we get back... Oh, we have some of my least favorite movies ever to talk about. Don't move.
3: Would you like exclusive bonus podcast commentaries and more from the laser time crew? then we strongly encourage you to support this show on patreon.com slash it supports not only this show but all the rest of the laser time network you'll get commentaries play games with the hosts see exclusive videos first and receive an uncut weekly
0: ad-free podcast bonus time speaking of which here's a quick taste
3: yeah i'm talking about the wii u a system i bought two weeks before the switch was announced
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, i should have saved that because nice. I'm dying to talk about this. This is a bonus show of which we have no name because it's not bonus time. It's thirty twenty ten adjacent, but I don't know what kind of theme song it deserves. But more importantly, uh, a round of digital applause for Steve Guntley. half of the We Universe podcast. We Universe. Hello. I- I've never heard weeness in that before mm. until now. Now I'm smiling. Uh, oh no, I haven't
3: either. Yeah, yeah we're, really we're,
0: here to, we're here. We're to- here. <laughs> Get bonus time—a weekly, uncensored, and commercial-free podcast—every Tuesday, starting for just five dollars on Patreon.com/LaserTime. Coming into 2002 with Through the Rain by Mariah Carey off of Charm Bracelet because it's out this week. This week being 2002, December 2nd through the 8th. Welcome to, to the second segment of 302010 10 years in the future. Not a lot of new music releases unless you like Darish Dinesh because Dive In is an album that is out this week and the only one we could find.
2: Oh, we understand Mariah Carey owns December, <laughs> she's made this very clear to us. Mm-hmm.
0: It is very weird when she is like incapable of making public appearances, she will still be the Queen of December. I, I just, I was astonished trying to talk to my girl about who has introduced a new standard into the Christmas lexicon. And it's like, maybe Sia, maybe, like, definitely Wham, but it's like, it's like one a decade, man. Like, it's one a decade gets a song gets put into the Christmas rotation. And Mariah got super lucky. She's like, she defines like almost my li- pop culture life as the one representative
3: of my generation in, in the Christmas canon. I, and, I'm going to say it. Her song, All I Want for Christmas for You, is the only song from the entire 1990s that will be regularly mm, played in the 2090s. Maybe.
0: When did, when did when did Queens' We Will Rock You come out? Was that late 90s late ni- or early 90s? 80s. 80s? Nah, All right. I
2: think that's 80s.
0: Let's let's do well, yeah. a prediction thread. That's
2: true, because yeah, all I want for Christmas is you is one of the only Christmas songs I like. Weird. Really? Come yep. on. Darling love, uh, that one. Well, love and, for the one. And wind. uh yeah, Christmas baby, please come home. Mentioned Darlene Love earlier. There you go. I love that
0: song. Not the Bono version. Get it out of here.
2: Baby please nah. uh,
0: Lose Yourself by Eminem is still number one. Speaking of uh, number one, you'll never guess who's people's sexiest man alive. <laughs> uh they still they're still doing that, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, in 2002, that would be Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck. What is Ben Affleck coming off of that he's he's got that sexiest man alive heat?
2: j ass?
0: I guess so. I guess so.
2: <laughs> yeah, we're at peak Affleck, and this is not helping. <laughs> this is not helping. By the time we get to Julie, everyone's going to just want them to die. Just fucking die already.
0: And uh, only to root them on 20 years later, it's an interesting pop culture story. Doesn't speak well of humanity, though. 2002 movies, December 2nd through the 8th. Dying of the Day is still number one. much oh. to our consternation. oh indeed. Wow, I can't believe this is this high on the list because this will go on to win an Oscar. Ed Stoppard, Amelia Fox, Maureen Lipman, Frank Finlay, Thomas Kretschmann, and Adrian Brody in The Pianist.
2: <laughs> yeah, that makes, it, it It has a soft release this week because we're getting into the, the big heavy hitter season's why i love i do love december around christmas because we get the big blockbusters and we get all the award stuff and so we've got the pianist which why is this timely god damn
0: it yeah because because a bunch of people are showing their true colors i guess
2: yeah i guess so so this is going to be hard to talk about because it is a holocaust movie and it is directed by roman polanski Mm who will win the Oscar for yep. this, which he cannot come and collect because he still has an open warrant. I, for, for child rape. rape for, for raping a 13 year old. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah. This
3: blows my mind. I do not understand. <laughs> Judge the art, not the
0: artist yeah, in some
1: such.
3: Yeah. No, I, I I don't understand the mm-hmm. 2002 Academy mindset of we're going to give work like this is a multi million dollar major project mm-hmm. and lavish the best award we can for any filmmaker on a literal child rapist.
2: Well, I can here's the sexualize thing. It. First of all, this is a foreign film. This is no Okay. Not it's mostly produced by uh, Panel Plus P- Studio Big Babelsberg, European thing because he he lives in exile in Europe.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Second of all, when we get to the Oscars for 2002, I think there is a vote split. And I think that's how he sneaks in. But third of all, because it really was a two-man race, and then everyone was shocked that Polanski was the winner. So the other thing, though, is it's a really fucking good movie. Oh, it's amazing. (laughs) It's amazing. And And, And I'm
3: sure uh, the direction was a huge part of that.
2: Yeah, and Polanski is a Holocaust survivor. Mm -hmm. Technically, he lived in... The fucking Krakow ghetto, his parents were both deported to concentration camps and his mother was immediately gassed Yeah, while she was pregnant. He has a bad track record around pregnant women. Oh, God. Yeah. So he did the bad thing and we're not going to pretend he did not do the bad thing. If he had not done the bad thing, his life would have been a very, very different one. And in some ways, I feel like he has kind of paid the price that he needed to pay. At least that's what is that's what the survivor says. The, the, I, yeah, I, I anyway with
3: the law, but yeah.
2: So yeah, we but gotta how, clear that out. Of how the way. can how it's can people? But how can
0: the academy vote for him, Jr. My theory is people in the academy are people like Harvey Weinstein and consider him not so much a monster but a. Poor guy who got caught. <laughs> mm-hmm. Everybody, it's, yep. the people who were still working in the seventies were like, "God, glad that wasn't me. I was really yeah. close oh, to being oh He Polanski. made an
2: honest mistake yeah. with thirteen-year-old. I wouldn't and have been able to get out, 13.
0: and I wouldn't have been able to get out of Europe that fast, man. Yeah, uh, but and okay. he's been well, arrested
2: well, a couple times since then. They tried to extradite him. He doesn't want to come. I, and yeah, and. Yeah. It, it is a different universe. to think of well, what would have happened?
3: But if. I'll t- I'll tell you what I no, I right, really talking not. about this film itself. Sure, but let's talk about the film itself. The week. Oh, okay. uh, this is a fantastic movie. I've never seen it before. I watched oh. it for the first time. Uh, as with all Holocaust films, I have to be like, "Fuck it, let's just watch it." I'm never like, "Gosh, golly, I'm so excited <laughs> to watch this Holocaust film." Well, I'll, I'll I'll tell you what I've always given this movie credit
0: for. And it's something mm. at the time we definitely didn't see. I was taking some pretty, you know, like high-level film classes. We are looking at Holocaust movies and how they're kind of shot in the same tone as a lot of torture porn. Mm. And you just see a bunch of victims. And there's definitely a place for that. But like I'd never heard a story of the Jews fighting back. And this movie is mildly about that. And I'm just like, of course everybody didn't just willingly go. Like right. people fought back. They just lost. And
2: yeah, they lost horribly. Yeah. <laughs> because I mean, there's some people who are just like, don't fight back. It'll be okay. We'll figure it out. Cause they didn't know that there were gas chambers at the mm-hmm. end of the line. They just thought, okay, we'll just be slave labor for a while and this will work out somehow. As long as we're together. Surprised none of that works out. And there's some people who were like, fuck this shit. Let's get some guns. Yeah. And there were multiple uprisings. And yeah, we see part of the Warsaw ghetto uprising from his point of view just outside it mm-hmm. which is so interesting well, yeah. his
3: entire i love the fact that this is not a grand sweeping historical drama this is 100 exactly. through his eyes mm-hmm. who this real uh historical character who is based on a real man who lived through all these events i, I don't know the historical accuracy of each one of these things but this is not meant to tell everyone's story it's meant to tell the story of one survivor and that's what this movie is it's a movie about how a person survives through skill and just blind stinking luck because there's a moment in this film where uh adrian brody is discovered by a german officer and the german officer is just like okay continue hiding out here jew I wish you the best. Here's some food.
2: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's... And that's
3: a real event that happened to the real historical guy. And uh, the German who helped him and gave him food ended up dying in a Soviet slave labor camp. So, you know.
2: Because that guy was a Nazi officer. So,
3: yeah,
2: (laughs) fuck him still. But, yeah, I I think that's why of all sort of movies about the Holocaust, this tends to be one I like to recommend Mm -hmm. also because it is... A personal story. Yep. It is Vladislav w- w- Spielmann is his name. Uh yeah, played by Adrian Brody, who the Nazis roll in, he's put into the ghetto. Um, you know, he has everything taken away from him. We see what life in the ghetto is like, which is not what we think of as a ghetto here in America. It's a prison camp. It's mm-hmm. you are in an open-air prison camp where everyone is starving to death and there are bodies everywhere, and it's like hell on earth. And he manages to just sort of luck out of sneaking away. And
3: well, yeah, like one
2: guy is like, yeah, don't do that. And he's like, oh, yeah. fuck.
3: Yeah, that's that's the other thing about telling stories about survivors of the Holocaust story. If you tell the average Holocaust story, it's I did what I was told and then I went on a train and I got gassed or I was walking along and then I got shot. That's the average Holocaust story. The survivors' stories are all amazing because if you didn't have an amazing story, you die. And yep. this is his amazing story, and we see it through his eyes instead of all the people who didn't have his run of luck and yeah. did die.
2: And I I think Polanski definitely relates to that because that's his story of mm-hmm. the Holocaust. He managed to sneak out of the ghetto. He was six when the Nazis rolled in. Wow. Uh, his parents are taken away. His sister's taken away. He's like he he sneaks out and hides in barns for a while and then like it's taken in by a family who like pretend that he's catholic but he's really bad at it and the war ends when he's 12 and the family that took him in they could have all been shot for that and just having that over you every fucking minute of every fucking day and that's the kind of the reality of, of spielman's existence he sneaks out he he hides somewhere someone's supposed to bring him food He he gets found he has to hide somewhere else Then there's like he's relying on this guy to bring him food who just kind of can't be bothered. He doesn't care. He's like, I'm starving to death. And he's like, Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I was supposed to come by with food later, but guess it slipped my mind. (laughs) Like, uh, (laughs) you're relying on the humanity of not great people sometimes. It's not about the beautiful human spirit. That guy's not bringing him food because he cares. Mm. It's, and then he gets saved, yeah, just by, small actions of small people which is like ultimately where all the good stories from the holocaust come from is it that's it's the worst thing that ever happened but it's also shows us the humanity of people
0: how how individuals can shine um in interesting ways just by
2: doing little things so yeah adrian brody's performance is ridiculous he lost all of his weight he like destroyed his life he i mean he looks like a fucking skeleton by the end of it he's so not wrecked undeserving of the Oscar. No, he, he went through a lot because so much of the movie is just him, mm-hmm. too. Yeah. He's not giving speeches. He's not interacting. He's just reacting to all this horrible shit. Mm. Uh, I don't like that this is timely. (laughs) I don't like this. This is something that happened 80 years ago. I don't like that we're talking about it on Twitter right now. Uh, It's been a bad time with the Jews lately. Yeah,
0: especially
3: on Twitter. (laughs) Lots of monsters being let back in.
2: Uh, I love
3: being off the grid of social media, Uh, guys. I got to recommend it uh, to both of you. Uh, It's um, amazing to just take a break and just walk away. You feel good uh, and it gives you a better sense of perspective because I'm just looking at the life of how do you I pronounce his name
2: Vadislav Spilman
3: Spielman was born in 1911, so he was born in the Russian Empire under the Tsar. He lived through World War One, saw Poland become an independent nation for the first time in a hundred years, then saw his country invaded by the Germans and the Soviets, then invaded by the Germans in the whole country, and then taken over by the Soviets and ruled by them for two generations before getting its independence for the last 10 years of his life, and uh, by the time he died, Poland was on its way to becoming a member of the EU. Mm. So, holy cow crud, is that a change in someone's life just imagine all the
0: conflict resolutions or turmoil or progress you'll maybe a lifetime your lifetime will end up seeing i i don't know yeah I'm scared to say I, I
2: can't i can't stay away from the news because um jews with canary in the coal mine everybody <laughs> and when huh. they're coming for jews you know shit has gone wrong yeah.
0: you know when the white it's gone wrong yeah. mm-hmm. mm. you're not
2: going down a good road you're going down a bad road and I wish we had a space laser, but it turns out we don't.
0: And uh, I'm not kidding, just to make a segue here. Uh, this movie reminds me of one of my favorite unsung Spielberg movies, Empire of the Sun. And exactly what JR described. It's not the story of the war. It's the story of one person and their mm-hmm. existence through the war. And not necessarily fighting it. Uh, which brings us to Christian Bale. And
2: Yeah. Although, can I just say, that oh, was a really good segue. Yeah. Like, can I just say, <laughs> I think that the pianist is it does not feel like it's trying to make you feel terrible and it's not trying to smash you in the head with Holocaust is terrible, it's bad, never again. It's just a personal story that happens to take place during this horrible thing.
0: And, and there's some, there was honestly something to me not seeing people in the Holocaust as like victims who laid down, which is sort of, worth, it's supposed to make you feel bad. And it's it's nice to see that, no, yeah, people are resilient. And once people knew what was going on, they're going to fight back. The, Jesus Christ. Yep. Uh, yeah, you're
2: gonna survive at all costs
0: mm-hmm.
2: no matter what you gotta do
0: and then yeah. uh remembering it's my timely
2: philosophy. but not i'm just I, i'm trying to think like there are so many holocaust things like even by the time you get to the end of schindler's list where mm-hmm. it really is just like you're just trying to make everyone feel bad for because of this massive tragedy or remember like, that's not the point to make you feel bad
0: i think sometimes well whatever that is there's a reason to reflect on things and feel bad, and and think. Well, oh, you should
2: it. definitely reflect and and understand what happened, but it's not about you personally. Yeah, exactly. Should feel bad.
0: Yes. Ugh. Critical. Yeah. Jew it's not theory. tragedy porn. Yeah, it's not. Is,
2: is what I'm going for. It's not precious, but during the Holocaust, <laughs> it's Ooh. it's much more more layered than that. And yeah, pianist, huge recommend. This makes me mad i'm sorry i ruined your segue about christian bale because
0: i liked it it was not it was one of the better segues it's a good comparison that's a really good
2: comparison i like that
0: but the next movie william fichtner fichtner uh matthew harbour scene Bean, sean bean angus mcfadden tay diggs emily watson and chrissy bale ladies and gentlemen equilibrium a new kind of law enforcer
2: protecting the new society Against a new crime, human emotion. <laughs>
0: good lord! Good lord! Is this? This is so stupid. It is. Oh my gosh! Uh, is, so this... wonderfully stupid. It's. <laughs> it is. What if
2: Brave New World plus Fahrenheit 451 plus The Matrix fighting
0: plus The Matrix? That's, uh, that's,
2: that's it. That's it. That's all the movie.
0: Plus the Matrix. Yes, it is so. This movie clearly got green, greenlit in the afterglow of the matrix, a much cheaper matrix. And part of the stuff it didn't have was the wild and out stunts. And it's just weird. Cause I, November 5th just passed and I don't let that day go by without watching V for Vendetta again. It's got a lot of V for Vendetta vibes. I wanted to give the movie that it's shot mostly in Germany <laughs> to really drive home the fascist big brother, all that stuff that's going on. But holy shit, is this one of the dumbest competent movies I've ever seen in my entire <laughs>
3: life? It is. You know what type of movie you're seeing when the evilest of evil drugs is prosium. Prosium. Okay. Mm. I mean, come on. This is 2002. It's like, obviously, they're saying Prozac. And I really don't like movies that kind of are like. Uh, mental health medicine is evil and yeah. you can kind of see I, I, I I didn't that it out of anything it. further away from Prozac than Prozium because Prozac was like all in the news in 2002.
0: Uh, yeah, and... that, that that's something that never even came to my attention watching it. it more this...
2: now looking up the writer to see if he is a Scientologist. I see nothing. No,
0: the, the writer is... is quite noticed it's his directorial debut very technically yep. he made a movie before yeah. this but he wrote the most unremarkable films other than thomas crown affair which is very good but just like every forgettable film you've ever seen kurt weimer writer director the recruit law-abiding Citizen*, salt the both the remakes for total recall and point break dudes <sighs> wrote a lot of shit uh and i mean I that literally
3: nothing from any of those
0: <laughs> right <laughs> right they're all they're all very hollywoody so he's made quite the career for himself but this movie is so matrixy right down to the the kung fu or gun kata
3: as it's a goddamn as it is literally kata. called it, it, But uh, in the headiness should have earaches all the goddamn time uh,
2: yeah every time there's a showdown there would be like so you thought you could defeat me what no, so, <laughs> I have tinnitus from the
0: guns going off next to my ear. So, so what, like, I, my favorite thing I wrote down is that every morning in the world of this movie, it begins with a televised, mandatory televised conference that recaps everything about society, uh, that, <laughs> <laughs> that feelings are, the man's humanity, their feelings are responsible for all war, so if we take out a drug and stamp out feelings, there will be no hate, but will also be no love. However, we are going to hire mercenaries to kill people
3: who feel and don't take the. It is the silliest high school it's the short story thing because people have don't have any emotions in this film until they don't. And yes, then suddenly they do, and it, it. You can see, like, I have no emotions, and you having emotions make me so angry. Yes, but they, <laughs> but they they also
0: have art and get married with no feelings
3: what the yeah. f- stupid fucking Bring movie kids it's, with no ki- feelings. And there are like the kids in this film are like six or eight and they are somehow smart enough and brave enough to hide that they have emotions for years. Yeah. I can mm-hmm. tell you there is not an eight year old <laughs> child alive yes. who can hide the fact that they have emotions for a weekend.
0: Yes. Those little fucking werewolves are all in. <laughs> is
2: it this movie is- like, it's always i i appreciate the idea which again is just completely stolen from brave new world that you know oh if we just run everything logically mm-hmm. then everything will work out and it's like that never ever works because humans are illogical even if you give them a drug to make them logical they'll still be illogical even if you give them are a fucking weird even if
0: you give them a drug to not get covid they'll find reasons to not take it so i this whole thing is just one of the silliest fucking movies, but it's also highly competent and stylized. And it's the mm. the reason why it doesn't look as good as The Matrix is doesn't. It's a five million dollar movie, but its cinematography and its chor- choreography are wonderful. As that last sequence of him fighting <laughs> Angus, Angus McFadden, where they're just they're slapping each other with their guns and handing them off to one. A, it's the silly. Any lightsaber sequence you've seen that looks telegraphed is less silly than what happens there. I,
2: yeah, and, I, I feel like we have not explained Gunkata oh enough. My God. It literally is kung fu while you're holding pistols in each hand. So you're kind of trying to punch someone also shoot them at
0: yeah, the Yeah, Christian Bale time. has these little, these little spikes <laughs> oh. that come out of the butt of his gun so he can do close combat with the butts of his gun. It is so utterly silly. I think this movie is probably best watched in highlights on YouTube because it is boring. You can predict most of it from the beginning. You know exactly I, where this is going. I
3: don't even call it good bad. No? Uh, mm-hmm. You do not need to watch this film. Yeah. It is. Well, that's that's a uh, thing, though. See, I,
2: I, I think it's good bad. This, yeah, this is... Because it's so committing, they're committed
3: to to the idea, and the idea is that are good, bad, like
1: the puppy in the trunk. Yes, where it's like puppy. The The idea that dogs
0: make people happy, so let's have government assassin execute the fucking dogs, is so like needlessly brutal and silly, and from from the heart of a goddamn teenager. (laughs) But it's it's got the soul of like something bigger than it. Looks like, I don't know. Like, it's, it's, I think it's mildly elegantly done. It's it's hard to recommend because it is so fucking bad, but it's bad in, in a way that commits and, and, and never breaks character and never, it never winks at you for any reason.
3: No. It, it, it I think this film joyless. actually thinks it has something to say.
2: I mean, that's, oh, that, absolutely.
0: And that's, that's the thing I, I remember at the end of the year. We think about the Matrix as this phenomenon that a lot of people ripped off, but like, it did, but in, Mostly parody. It didn't create this ripple of Hitman movies the way like Pulp Fiction did. Uh, it, which And that's sort of how I remembered it. So this is like the most notable Matrix ripoff that exists. It's wholly unnecessary. Um, and I forgot what else I was going to say about it because it is just oh no. so bug nut silly.
2: It's, it's become something of a cult film because oh. it, it failed at the box office, even though it was a, a pretty low-budget movie. But I saw it pop up in the next couple of years of people being like, this is such yes. an underrated sci-fi movie. That's <laughs> what I was getting at. <laughs> You've peop- never read really? any sci-fi yes. if you think this is original. Because
0: pe- That's what I was getting at, because people wanted more Matrix. And it wasn't really delivered to them very quickly because, you know, movies weren't really good at that back then. Right now, Netflix can kind of turn over a script in an afternoon and get it into production. At the end of the year, that's why I think this movie is fascinating. I would, you know, I still read best of the year list. This ended up topping both best and worst lists. The people who loved it (laughs) were starving for more Matrix shit, and this does deliver on that. Just weird what? kung fu battles. If that's what you wanted, there's plenty of that in here. I'm not sure how that holds up today. There's plenty of fucking Matrix ripoffs that are better than this. Uh, yes. But it, it's so fucking silly. And Christian Bale is so good and commits so much. It's so much of this silly fucking movie. Oh, poor Emma Watson. Emily Watson. <laughs> poor Emily, <laughs> Emily Watson.
2: Watson. She deserves better movies than but, this. But
0: yeah, equilibrium, it's really difficult even mildly recommended after that pianist discussion not a mild recommend nope yeah, yeah <laughs> so I'm, so I'm not going to but I did find oh it...
2: gosh should I watch the pianist or should I watch equilibrium it, it, it gave me the
0: vibes I wish I'd gotten from x versus sever and hmm. and and that's barely that's not even a compliment necessarily but this is my job and I'm contextualizing it like that moving on to a movie that's a little more well regarded fat joe um uh, is he still with us i can't remember who we lose him or big pun i forgot Uh, Rafael Baez, uh, Tretch, Nestor Serrano, uh, Vincent Larska, Uh, Isabella Lidi, Sonia Braga, Delia Cotto, Dennis Richards, Peter Sarsgaard, John Leguizamo, and... Empire on these streets. All this right here is family. No, I love you, man. Your
3: word is your bond. How much do I need to invest? 4.5 million dollar minimum. He's a Wall Street
1: guy. It's a different animal. This is the way we should be living. My woman deserves it. My kid
0: deserves it. This Friday. Hey, Vic, you took the money. Two worlds collide. I gotta go to war. Why don't you go back to your ghetto? Are you kind of glad? Empire rated R. Empire. Um, yeah, not, not a ter- TV show not the TV show uh not a terrible movie, but like that that perfect formula in the late 90s, early 2000s of like people loved you know gangster crime films and you could make them really cheap and they'll usually turn a profit and this one did even cheaper it's somehow even cheaper than equilibrium and uh, this movie did substantially better. Um,
2: yeah I I admit I didn't get around to watching it. I'll, I'll pretty much every review. <laughs> I saw was like, the best of them were like, it's fine, you know, it's a looking to get out to the ghetto kind of movie, drug dealer trying to go straight and they keep, they pull him back in and uh, a couple other reviews were like, this director watched Goodfellas too many fucking times. (laughs) This is what happens when you get a VHS of Goodfellas and you just don't stop.
0: It's, it's, I could call it, and I didn't rewatch it, but it solid genre film, but utterly unremarkable. There's a thousand better versions of what empire is
2: i wish john leguizamo had more starring roles
0: me too i just i I, like i really wanted to see that movie the menu and i didn't even see him in the trailer but apparently he's in it uh but i love john leguizamo
2: yeah i appreciate them giving him the the Mm -hmm. lead in this except him gangsters drug dealers i kind of wish i'm watching carlito's way now
1: yeah
0: Eh. or what was the one that i loved from earlier jeez i already forgot the title of it the one with wesley snipes and uh the Carter Building. Ye- uh Chris New Rock. Jack. New Jack City, yes. Um yeah. and then God damn it. I watching Equilibrium after this is maybe why I can color it so positively. <laughs> because I, I I literally not only did it, do I think this is one of the worst movies I've ever seen, it broke something in me 20 years ago. <laughs> Joey Coco Diaz, Kathy Moriarty, Joe Vittorielli, Lisa Kudrow, Billy Crystal. And Bobby, Robert De Niro. Uncle Bob, analyze that. A mobster. Mommy's mad at me because I made a boom on a rug. A mentally challenged mobster. I'm going to release
1: him into your custody. Oh, no. A shrink. You used me to get you out of prison. Took you long enough. An incredibly neurotic shrink.
3: This is my meter money.
2: In the comedy reunion of the year. <laughs> the or he's dead. I think it is better. Robert De Niro. Billy Crystal. If I had a vote. I would vote in. Analyze
3: that. Later on. Starts. <sighs> oh, my okay, God. Okay, the, the sole and only question I have about this is, do they reference or wink at or make a nod that the Sopranos exist in this film? Yes. Mild. Um, God
0: damn. Yeah, but I that love sucks. that. They... they <laughs> They both, uh, they both reference one another at some point. And I, look, I'm, you might disagree with me on this. I think Analyze This is a perfectly fine... Fu- I thought it was a perfectly fine film. It is impossible to go back and watch now if you have any knowledge of The Sopranos.
3: See, that's the thing. I watched Analyze This, the first film in the Analyze duology, uh, solely... Uh, for my podcast about The Sopranos. Huge Sopranos fan, know all about it, knew it had referenced and uh, predated. So, okay, let's find out what this is about. I was like, I am never going to watch a second of this again. And I could not bring myself to watch the sequel uh, for my Sopranos podcast. But if there's a YouTube clip where they show exactly how they reference The Sopranos, I might watch that. I, I could be...
0: This could be apocryphal, but at some point in the movie, they're trying to get De Niro a straight job. And it's like, well, Sopranos is huge and they need a consultant, a mob consultant of something he can do to have a straight job. And he goes to work on mm-hmm. film sets. It gets a little my blue heaven y, but it is utterly atrocious. And any goodwill from Analyze This, a surprising $30 million comedy, by the way, that's like six million, that's like six times what equilibrium costs, which is like made me appreciate it more. Nothing in this movie looks like it costs more than an Equilibrium. By the way, it's just a bunch of old white <laughs> dudes in suits. That movie made two hundred million dollars. Perfectly charming on its own. Sopranos kind of cast a large shadow over it. This is insipid. It is incredibly bad. Nobody gives a fuck. Billy Crystal is done a billion, been a billion times funnier than this. I've never seen Robert Nero degrade himself like, like just do these awful, awful things. No matter what you've seen him in, whatever comedy where he's caught jerking off or pooping this is he's him singing West Side story songs is still worse. Uh, it's still worse.
2: Uh, yeah, like comedy sequels can be hard um, yeah. I think the the list of bad comedy sequels versus good comedy sequels is very, very, very unbalanced and, and, and like and
0: they do have the, the, the tendency to like they
2: have nothing new to say yeah like y- yeah, you well, had basically one joke and mm-hmm. you mined the shit out of it in the first one.
3: If you had what more you jokes have? to use, you would have used them in the first one yeah. by and large yes. in your comedy. It just the,
0: yeah. the Sopranos sent them the wrong message. We have a mob psychiatric property too. <laughs> why don't we sequelize this? And it costs twice as much. There's no reason why and made less. I'll even tell you this.
2: I know why. You know why it costs twice as much. Oh, to get it's these guys back. This- because yeah, to get them back mm-hmm. seriously, yeah. yeah, everybody. Billy you know, Crystal got like, the payday, and then he can walk. It's
3: it's directed. And the written, only reason I'm coming back and doing this trash is if you pay me. Yeah, a mm-hmm. lot.
0: Written and directed by Harold is also co-written by Peter Tolan. The, was he the co-creative Larry Sanders show? Like it or Aww. it's yeah. He, I, but here's the, here's the thing. When we do this show, I spent multiple decades watching every movie that exists, and and totally enjoying myself with that. I remember when Bit, was it Kaza or BitTorrent? What was I using in 2000? Probably Kaza or Morpheus. I'm downloading every movie and I'm watching every movie. And I'm I'm Italian. I love mob movies. I love Robert De Niro. I got this, like, you know, I heard some mixed reviews. I can't wait. And like, this broke me. Like, I can't devote time to horrible garbage like this. This is so bad. And I thought, like, surely the year's have been kind to this film, not at all. It is streaming on HBO max and it is worse than ever. I think it's the worst comedy, one of the worst comedy sequels I've ever seen. I can't pinpoint exactly why it's just the, the utter needlessness. I couldn't think of something more needless other than the hangover Two, but I enjoyed (laughs) hangover (laughs) three. I thought that was kind of fun. The, but the second one was like, you, you've ruined the first movie. Like, okay, there are, uh, and then this third one was like, made me think there's places to take this character it's the bad sequel to mind blue heaven you never wanted and
1: That's
2: sad. i said i my only good memory about anything related to this is i remember seeing analyze this with my dad mm-hmm. and i think afterwards was the first time we went to a bar together wow. cuz i was over, over 21 yeah and he i, I enjoyed that because like you know we're playing shuffleboard or having fun he liked it because like people were looking at us like it's an older guy with a younger girl and he would like <laughs> oh no
1: uh-huh. put his arm around
2: me and be like yeah <laughs> just to creep him out and i was like eh. Ew. yeah uh,
0: i'd still rather see that than analyze that yeah. And oh uh, so, I, I, yeah I, I can't i can't <laughs> tell you how much i hate this fucking
2: creep movie. on me for the benefit of weird dudes at a bar <laughs> it, it's a
0: personal thing but i i i, I really fucking hate this movie. I think it's one of the worst movies I've ever seen and I couldn't believe 20 years later it I felt the exact same. I resent yeah, I, all of you listening for making me watch this again.
2: I forgot it existed and I was happier that way.
3: <laughs> I deliberately chose not to watch it and I made the right decision. You got
0: you got me giving the harshest take available and I I feel like I've been kind to many bad movies in this in this particular episode. This I can I just hate it. I hate it so fucking much. Not worth a hate watch. Not good bad. It is very very like wealthy. You know that rich Hollywood comedy bad that's just ugh. It's insipid. Mm. Uh, it'd be the the world would be better off without it. Moving on to television, 2002, uh, what is it? Uh, December 2nd through the 8th. I thought it was notable because I kind of collect old Disney stuff. I love the old Disney Channel logo, like the, uh, what is it? The the TV frame lines with the Mickey silhouette in the middle. Uh, they'd already changed the logo, but Disney Channel changed its logo to that corner mouse ears, which as far as the Disney Channel logo, that remained the longest. You still see YouTube clips of stuff with, that Disney hasn't released with those, that logo burned in there with the, uh, what would you call it? The, the three quarter mouse ears, uh, sticking out of the side of the, the screen. It sticks around yeah. for 20 till 2014, the longest logo they've ever had. Huh. You don't have to be interested in this. I was, uh, but okay. in other animation news and Christmas news, Invader Zim ends ends. And I, I know Jr. and had yeah. Jr. and I had off mic a little,
2: but, but does it, it's,
0: it, uh, the, the story of Invader Zim is—I'll uh, try and keep it short. Disney noticing, hey, our demographic is growing out of our programming, but we have this Snick block. Why don't we? This is that's pretty successful. Why don't we start making things for older kids and teens? They greenlight Invader Zim, which is a dark, <laughs> funny. Saying,
2: what? Why don't we keep hot topic around for another twenty years?
0: Well, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it 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 was successful in what it did, but I believe there was a regime change. Like, the people who love Invader, like, found Invader Zim fucking love it. It's harsh, it's violent, it's it's cynical, it's hilarious, uh, it is dystopian, it is not anything, it's polar opposite of the Rugrats, so it's weird to see Invader Zim stand next to Tommy Pickle sometimes. There was a regime change at Disney, and they fucking hated it. So they canceled, they renewed this, the show for a second season, canceled it in the middle of it, Producing the second season, they squeezed off some episodes, and I think a year later, you get what, like Tiny Toons, is Invader Zim's last Xmas last special last last episode, which is the most horrible Xmas ever. Invader Zim technically ends on a Christmas special, which is amazing, and it's not intended to be the last episode. It's just weird because there is like a new character introduced out of nowhere, and they don't really explain where it comes from. But that happens when animation is done out of production cycle. The rest, the rest of the episodes from the second season wouldn't air for another four years until it. Yeah. They find out, holy shit! The internet loves Invader Zim and we have this new Nicktoons channel where we don't have you know the same democratic uh, demographic scrutiny we do on regular Nickelodeon, and they unleash those episodes there to the delight of many of us. Invader Zim is brought back years and years later for more for uh, one more special episode. So it technically ends like 3 or 4 times <laughs> Invader Zim, but I <laughs> but I do love the most horrible Xmas ever. It's a great episode filled with unnerving Christmas imagery. It's told from a million years in the future, Invader Zim tries to become Santa, creates a sentient robot Santa that returns to Earth once a year to devour and destroy everything. And not unlike Futurama, that's what Christmas is, a chaotic and apocalyptic time for us all once a year. Uh, yay. yay.
2: I, oh, I, I, the murderous Santa robot on mm-hmm. Futurama is one of my favorite Christmas things ever, just I in general. It. Yeah. Besides the Hanukkah zombie and Kwanzaa bot. <laughs> the, the murderous Santa, especially, especially when he's John Goodman.
0: And uh, speaking of season finales that go away for a while, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sopranos, Whitecaps, the season four finale. Ooh.
3: Ah, yeah. So uh, this is the end to season four. There were 456 days between when this ended and season five (sighs) began. We will not talk about The Sopranos in all of 2003. We will have to wait until 2004. Was
0: was there a specific reason for that holdup?
3: David Chase likes to take his time. Okay. He likes to be like, I'm going to figure out exactly where we're going to go. I'm going to have a lot of time to write these and work out with it. And there's always the negotiations going on of actors coming
0: back. The things I was imagining, because it it is a rigorous shoot, I think more than your typical television show season, because it's a lot of on-location stuff. and. Mm Now the people in The Sopranos are very big celebrities and probably have other projects they want to go work on in between this and that. And uh, yeah, it, it, it. I think it sets a precedent because it was one of the first shows I remember taking over, like two
3: years or more off in between seasons. It does yeah, after this. Yeah. It, it takes 645 days between the end of season five and the end of season six, which is damn close to two years. But uh, this episode in specific is when Tony and Carmella start their divorce. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh my God.
2: That fight scene Mm -hmm. is so scary good. I mean, because we know that uh, Gandolfini, you know, he can do rage, he can do angry, punch in a wall, whatever, but how hard Carmella fucking comes for him is like, that is one of the best scariest arguments i have ever seen in anything like you think they're both going to explode like physically burst into flames they're so angry
3: so we we talk (laughs) about this in depth on talking terrific television um but he comes so close to hitting her yeah like Mm -hmm. and uh i think if he had hit her she would have gone through with the divorce no matter what come hell or high water but mm-hmm. uh, that he doesn't hold back is so crucial and such an amazing piece of acting that you can see how badly he is resisting just beating his wife. Yeah.
2: It's the thing that divides him from Ralphie. Uh,
3: not yeah. just Ralphie, everybody. Sylvia, Ralphie, would
2: have, Ralphie punched him in the face all the fuck.
0: Silvio slaps lady. Like it, it, Tony's one of the few members of the crew who does not do that. And I think just yeah. interesting from a audience perspective, I think, had he hit Carmela, that would have made him irredeemable despite everything else we've seen him do. Oh, yeah. The uh, viewer would not care to true. watch this person anymore. I'm glad. That,
1: Absolutely. Uh, yeah,
0: I think that, uh, semi-interesting. We'll watch murder. We'll watch crime. We'll watch deception,
3: uh, lies. Uh, because we put ourselves in the minds of Tony Soprano, mm-hmm. and he's doing this allegedly for his small F family. Mm-hmm. And if he's beating his small F family, there you go. then he go. doesn't have any reason to do all this um, yeah
2: also if if he had hit her in the face he should have gone out like jackie jr so
3: yeah, yeah.
2: or no Richie april yeah uh, usually which is still the, my the, my favorite death on that show of just how yeah <laughs> yeah punch in the face What? bang <laughs> <Just> <laughs> calmly walking out of the room I'm calmly walking back into the room I am murdering you
0: in, in both traditional and non-traditional entertainment usually when a character does that they're open themselves up for death, and yeah. I was just I remember watching that and like, I'm so glad it didn't
3: happen because <laughs> uh, it, it's an amazing episode. Mm. Uh, they needed every one of those 75 minutes, uh, not even the season finale. The series finale is as long as this one, and I think it's perfectly paced. It right. works great on the personal level. This episode is when the talking terrific television crew really came together. A shout out to Jared, Vanessa, and Steve because this hey. is when we got all of us all together and just went forward. And I wish I could have started that podcast with that crew because they just knocked it out of the park until the end.
0: Yeah. They're great. You can hear them on our Patreon as well. Talking about 80s movies. Good, good, good squadron of folks. Um, yeah. And I hate to move on to the night before Christmas, the mouse tale, because I do consider myself an expert in the field of Christmas specials. I have never heard of this. And this is
3: as far as I can tell, it's, The most forgotten animated special I could find like it's it's out there people know don't care in the slightest that it's out there and it's like no one has anything to say about a Christmas special usually some Christmas special is someone's favorite Mm -hmm. no one has any thoughts on this?
2: Oh, we had that VHS. We watched it a million times. <laughs> oh, actually, speaking of, Chris, I think someone might have ID'd your live-action Aladdin that your mom. Oh, sweet. You. Yeah, I'll send you the link. You can check Fantac- it out. I'm sure it's one. been
0: uploaded to YouTube and whatever company made it is out of business. You can get a night, The Night Before Christmas a Mouse tail on DVD. I don't recognize anybody or anything involved in this thing, so I, I can't speak for it. Uh, conversely, a bad special... <laughs> That has I've seen a lot of bad Christmas specials. Rat City
3: Street, Rat City Street Kids believe in Santa. You're making those words up. What? You are just spouting random words now. Do yourself Christmas. a favor and,
2: don't you. and,
3: and Google it. It Rat is s- it
0: City is so bad it needs because most of the time it's just boring or the animation is bad. This is both. It is both and it is like it's not only bad animation, it's bad 3D animation. It looks like a elementary school kids project.
3: It, remember reboot the yeah. uh this has worse animation 3d animation in 2002 than reboot had in the early
2: 90s
0: yes and I, I i'm astonished to how this how did this air how did this air at all like it's how did this get mark hamill and clint howard involved and
3: in poor, poor now it's I'm, time for another show on the wb that will never last yeah there it goes that's I'm, why I'm,
2: I'm so confused. I thought you said Rap City. No,
0: oh, it is. No. But it is
2: Rap. It. Oh no. no, it's
0: Rhapsody. I thought
2: you said Rat City. I it did. Rhapsody, Rhapsody, like Rhapsody in Blue, but spelled weird.
0: Yeah, Rap. And then so I'm...
2: it's really confusing.
0: Yes, and it's. It
2: is really ugly. Like it looks like I could draw that, and I can barely draw stick it's, figures. It's
0: not only profoundly ugly. It it looks like. Oh my god! Like two years yes. ago, AI created this art. It, <laughs> i oh. guess if a computer could pitch a, a children's television project this is it and uh yes it, it's so so awful it's almost worth recommending because it's just like everything is bad about it that this aired on a network that this hit made air you could have aired anything hmm. else and uh probably gotten a better result out of it hmm. and speaking Dude, you logs
2: Guys cutting ice, do that slow TV thing like they do in <laughs> Norway. It's literally just a guy with a saw cutting ice off a frozen lake for an hour. Would be better for everyone.
0: Yes, and uh, man, uh, we also like again. I w- want to say I'm an expert in Christmas specials. I am confused as to what Charlie Brown's Christmas Tales is at all. I yeah. I, I thought I'd seen everything up up until Happiness is a Warm Puppy, but a post Charles Schultz. Christmas special for Charlie Brown, his 41st uh, Christmas special, Charlie Brown's Christmas uh, Tales.
3: It's at the 41st that the series really comes together. Yeah, it really does. You know, that's, that's when they really got but that But it's, it's awesome
0: that it's the 41st special. Like It's like yeah. two seasons worth of stuff spread out over 50 years. I still think that's neat.
3: Well, this is exactly what you expect. It's a Snoopy, uh, Peanuts, five vignettes, each with their own little story about Christmas. Yes.
0: N- not unlike that It's Christmas Time Again, Charlie Brown, we spoke about yeah. uh, previously. A yeah. forgotten Christmas entry to one of the most... sequel to one of the most famous Christmas specials of all time.
2: Cynically speaking, I feel like this might exist to fill out time so that they could fit in a Charlie Brown Christmas because a Charlie Brown Christmas yeah. doesn't fit the full time slot, the, mm-hmm. the time slot anymore because they used to have fewer commercials. It's true.
0: And some of the commercials were baked directly into the program. Yep. Uh, I believe this year they have released the totally uncut music from charlie brown christmas which is super they did it for uh a great pumpkin so hopefully they did it with charlie brown christmas uh and then lastly on tv this week is this an hbo film if i recall bruce mcgill uh, david Suchet, uh, lily taylor joshua leonard hello bottom carter and michael keaton live from baghdad
2: hey um yeah going back to <laughs> we were talking about somalia and the gulf war it's a tv movie about uh cnn reporters based on a real guy who kind of got stuck in baghdad as shit started going down and then they ended up like in kuwait and they're trying to cover things but it turns out it's really hard to cover things while there's like an active war zone going on and it's 24 hours and you're being broadcast live it's not like print journalism where you talk to the guys and they find out tomorrow what you wrote about them like these guys have cnn they see what you're doing and they can go get you right now right now yeah it's supposed to be pretty good Got a bunch of gold globes and stuff. And I like we're in that period where like no one knew what to do with Michael Keaton.
0: Yeah. Ooh, that was Mm -hmm. weird.
2: Yeah. We were fools. Fools, I tell you.
0: (laughs) And I it's I was just looking at the director Mick Jackson. He wrote my favorite Steve Martin movie, LA Story, and directed he directed and the bodyguard, (laughs) following it up with this Michael Keaton. Yeah.
2: Wait, he directed the bodyguard?
0: Apparently, yeah. Wait, didn't he? That can't be Mick Jackson?
2: Um, I, I, yeah, yeah, it's be,
0: Mick Jackson. Lawrence Kasdan is the the screenwriter, I think.
2: Wow. So keep mm-hmm. him busy. Yeah. Keep him working. Good for him. And, and it, I'm sure he doesn't have to ever work again. After he directed the Bodyguard.
0: Goddamn good for him. And uh, 2002 Games, speaking of uh, people who don't have to work again. Well, no, that's true. There's no residuals in video games. Ah. Uh, the Legend of Zelda, A Link to the Past for Game Boy Advance. A game I didn't so, even know existed until I saw Scott Pilgrim like, that doesn't play on Game Boy looked into it turns out it does i just never
3: heard of it yeah yeah this isn't a rom this Mm -hmm. is a remake they remade the game to play on the gba they also included four swords Mm -hmm. which you needed to have three friends Mm -hmm. who all had a gba i'm out (laughs) three friends and all owned the legend of zelda a link to the past with four swords and then you could play the game together. Mm. And yeah, I've never been in that situation, but I've always wanted to be in that situation and, and see what it's like. I, I
0: finally got there, but it was at still at this point in the closet as a video game guy, because it wasn't cool to be 22 and out in public playing Game Boy games with people. But for kids, it was and it wasn't until like the mid-2000s were like, ah, fuck it. I don't care. This is who I am. And then uh, <laughs> game culture really kind of hit the big time. So I've, I've done it since. But like playing online with the, the, those uh, Nintendo platforms, they suck over the internet. Connecting to one another is simple and easy and I think wireless with the, the GBA. So uh, amazing. I, I wish I wish I could have done it. I really, like, like you, were never able to do that um, on, a, on a portable console. Uh, also out this week for PS2. There's no reason
3: they couldn't just put it on the Switch yep. and just allow you to like join a four-player game anytime you wanted. That would be like uh, Larry's side project uh, yeah. to get that working.
0: Yeah. Um, but... And they'll never sell it to you. At best, they'll give it to you as part of a subscription service eight years from now, judging by how their release schedule is going. <laughs> Also out this week is Nickelodeon Party blast um,
3: not the Mario big... Party clone with yes. Nickelodeon characters and uh, again it, it's I, I mentioned in previous episode how I don't understand how no one has able to copy Mario Kart, but no one's able to copy Mario Party either. They yeah. like keep trying to copy what Nintendo does and Nintendo just releases you know one or two of these every five years. And they're the only ones who can be good at this genre because mm-hmm. party games is a genre. But like, if you're going to say, what are the best party games? It's going to be, well, let's just rank the Mario Party ones and ignore Nickelodeon Party Blast and every other ripoff. I think it's it's
0: it's because Mario Party, and this is just me speculating off the cuff now, Mario Party games at least feel like a Mario game. in by that, I mean, including the voice actors and people kind of do the same things and control the same way. None of these Nickelodeon characters have any other famous game appearances other than, like, who's to say what uh, A Real Monsters guy and Chucky Finster, like, how do they they control? What are their abilities? Like, who gives a shit? And did you pay (laughs) the voice actors? Most of the time, they do not. Up until very recently, they released a Nickelodeon fighting game, if you recall, and, like, just didn't bother including the voice actors. That's part of what helps do that. And I love it because the Nicktoons have always been really good at presenting themselves as, like, a squad or, like, All of our shows take place in separate universe, but it's not uncommon to see us posing together on merchandise or in interstitials. So I wish it had worked out better. Uh, And then also I wish it worked out better. Star Wars Bounty Hunter, kind of the thing most people wanted to do in a Star Wars game other than maybe be a Jedi. I want to be a bounty hunter, smuggler. And uh, uh, yeah, Game 2. In
3: 2002, Mm -hmm. was it still exciting to play a 3D Star Wars game?
0: no but uh it depends i think stuff that was related directly to the movies was a little more exciting
3: but mm-hmm. obviously this is not this right. is uh no no this is actually based on the prequels uh this oh, okay. is a platform shooter well, you know. basically showing how Django uh acquires uh slave one
0: mmm. Which Disney, which Disney does not call it anymore. It's Boba Fett's ship. <laughs> it's not Slave 1? Yeah. yeah, they took, slave One. anybody no. who smokes is no longer smokes in the Slave 1. And Leia's bikini's out and the Slave 1. And that's kind of the end of Disney's censorship, I think. Huh. What a terrible thing to say on this show. Prove me wrong, <laughs> community.
1: Just the uh, stuff but, I know but about. But
3: yeah, yeah, it's a weird to have a mix of a shooting game and a platformer. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, it's like... Duke, Duke Mario 1. Sunshine, <laughs> uh, except you're shooting people because you're using your jetpack to float and then shoot and kill people. But you got Tamora Morrison in there reprising his role.
0: And, yeah. you know, it's not like the Boba Fett show was that great either. So anyway, <laughs> move, moving on, let's close out the segments with Underneath It All by No Doubt, which is on the charts this week. But don't go anywhere. We got one more segment in the barrel, 2012 people. So get ready to travel 10 years in the future right after this. You're
1: something else.
0: Hello, fellow nerf herders. Did you not like Last Jedi, Rise of the Skywalker, or would you just prefer a majority of Star Wars fans take a slow walk into a volcano? What I'm saying is, are you sick of Star Wars? Well, I thought I was, but my co-host Jeremy and Adam beg to differ, except when they don't. Get ready for a whole lot of love, a whole lot of hate, and a whole lot of geeky therapy in our new series, Sick of Star Wars, with a big, giant question mark, exclusively available at patreon.com slash Here's a little taste. My monkey. Ladies and gentlemen, we are talking about empire strikes back uh, here's a little bit of a teaser trailer from 1979 luke skywalker and
3: han solo rescued the princess destroyed the death star but their story didn't end there
0: so can you tell who the narrator is dude it it sounds like a, a powdered toast man like a reader that's what's so crazy <laughs> about it because the narrator is harrison ford is it really? Yeah, He's doing like, no a sport, like, really? like a radio. Yeah, it's the most enthusiastic performance I've ever heard from Harrison yeah, Ford ever, in my ever. life. <laughs> uh, but it's but you can hear it. Listen now, the creators of the biggest smash hit of all time bring you the next episode in the Star Wars saga: The Empire Strikes Back. It, the title it is the that's, title that's... was the title "Empire Strikes Back" was I think leaked as early as 1978. It sounds like. My wife listens to podcasts on 1.25 speed. It Still sounds do like... It. I can't either. It sounds like chipmunks to me. That's what it sounds
3: like. My monkey.
2: Oh,
0: that's Sick of Star Wars. Available exclusively at patreon.com slash laser time, along with weekly bonus shows, over 100 movie commentaries, exclusive bonus podcasts, and more for just five bucks. And that's in addition to the brand new show, Sick of Star Wars, an angst written podcast saga told in nine parts. Listen long and prosper.
3: This is so wizarding.
2: Hello, Mr. Mrs. Internet and all the ships at sea. It's time for Diana's Classic Corner. We go even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watch. And for the week of December 2nd through 8th, oh, yeah, good holiday time recommendations. Actually, they have nothing to do with the holidays. But let's start with 70 years ago this week, saw the release of Esther Williams' Million Dollar Mermaid, which is a hoot and a half. Back in the day when... could just be like well that lady's fairly pretty and she's kind of good at one thing let's make her a movie star esther williams was good at swimming and so they made a bunch of movies about her swimming uh i went on uh, cinema oblivia and talked way too long about this you don't really have to watch the movie honestly just look go to youtube and look up million dollar mermaid because there is a she's supposed to be in a stage performance of an aqua ballet that is like the most batshit big MGM spectacle you ever saw like there's slides and and ropes and jumping and water and it's like it it, yeah it's great big Busby Berkeley things in the pool it is so freaking funny it's fun for the whole family I love that shit and then turning 40 this week we got two absolute bangers starting with how far he has fallen 40 years ago this week in 1982 saw the release of 48 hours starring oh yeah Eddie Murphy and Nick Nolte in the city of San Francisco. Penny Murphy saying that he needs to get trim, like, a thousand times. But he's not talking about weight loss. No, he is not. Yeah, it's, like, probably your dad's favorite comedy. It is really funny. It's the template for so many, you know, buddy action movies. But it's, like, a little grimmer and darker and meaner than most of them in in a lot of ways. It's definitely, definitely not, um, shall we say politically correct, but God, is funny, and you wouldn't think Eddie Murphy and Nick Nolte would, you know, work together, and they really freaking do. But just the once. Avoid the sequel at all costs. And then on the more serious side, we have one hell of a movie that seems to have gotten sort of lost in the shuffle of uh, its star's legacy. Also from 1982, The Verdict, starring Paul Newman, Charlotte Rampling, and a ton of hates that guys, Jack Warden, James Mason, Milo O'Shea. Directed by Sidney Lumet and written by David Mamet. Pedigree! This is such a good legal drama. Paul Newman really bringing it as someone It's like, you want to like him, but he's a piece of shit. But you want to like him so much. Like, you really want him to pull it together. Uh, You know, he plays basically like an ambulance chaser uh, with a serious drinking problem who takes on a medical malpractice case that's like very serious and he's really just in it for the money and then realizes he kind of has to do the right thing uh, and everything is working against him. He could just basically take the money and run and instead wants to see it out. And fantastic performances. Moves real fast, too. It's two hours, a little over two hours, and it, it doesn't feel like it has any fat on it somehow. It's like if there's not something plot happening, there's something incredible character-wise happening. Huge recommend uh, one of the best films of 1982, The Verdict. And that's it for this week. Stay a classic. Oh,
1: baby, if you let me, I can help you out with all of that.
0: welcome back to Thirty Twenty Ten. in 2012 we are 10 years in the future coming in with let me love you until you love yourself by neo because it's on the charts this week people other new releases for december 2nd through the 28th include jesus peace by the game trey by uh green day unorthodox jukebox by bruno mars And ONIFC by Wiz Khalifa. Diamonds by Rihanna is still number one. Let's get into a little news before we dig into the movies and entertainment this week, uh, because this is important to me personally. The UN Climate Conference agrees to extend the Kyoto Protocol to 2020. But I'm sure Ted Cruz would have something bad to say against it. Like, who cares about the climate in Kyoto? Because he's an idiot or thinks you're an idiot. (laughs)
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, I think we just signed on to this, (laughs) like, this year. (laughs)
0: <laughs> did we? I thought we. Did we back out of it? We it?
2: did, and we backed out. Trump backed us out, and then right. we joined. I think Biden just like resigned it just to make a point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they've moved on to all kinds of other regulations and protocols and stuff. But yeah, the the climate change protocol going back to 1997. Yes, it's taken us this long. <laughs>
0: That's, that was decided in Kyoto, but based not on yeah. anything Japan has to say or do. Ugh. You
2: just name things after where they are. And yeah, this is the, the Doha extension agreement, mm. which I guess is topical because Doha is where the World Cup is right now.
0: And uh, then moving into the movies of twenty twenty twelve, 2012, December 2nd to the 8th, Skyfall is still number one at the box office. And that's pretty impressive. Even 10 years ago, where movies tend to hang around for like a handful of weeks, that's solid month for skyfall
2: it has not had much competition and it is the highest grossing bond film of all time for it's a reason it's
0: one it's the best of my entire existence uh, i'll say that uh, and...
2: it. Rewatched it again and casino royale again when i should have been watching movies for this because you know why because i felt like it yeah i mean it's because it's been a bad week for the jews
0: yeah Yeah, especially in terms of the Christmas stuff I've been watching. Holy shit, all the Rankin-Bass. R.I.P. Saul Bass, or not Saul Bass, Jules Bass. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, Other movies that are out this week in 2012 include Bad Kids Go to Hell. Great title. Judd Nelson, Ben Browder, Cameron Dean Stewart, uh, Ali Faulkner, Roger Edwards, Augie Duke, Mark Donato, and Amanda Alk. Bad Kids Go to Hell. Didn't see it. this
2: is... I feel like this is one I should have watched instead of watching Casino Royale for like the fifth time. Did anyone watch it?
3: I feel like I should have watched it, too, because the premise is super. It basically, <laughs> it's what if The Breakfast Club was a horror film? Love oh, it. Done. Love okay.
2: it. And you got Judd Nelson in there for funsies. Yeah. yeah. Uh, a bunch of, you know, different kids from like a fancy prep school get locked in the library for detention. And then um, and
0: we're all a brat, a brain, a murderer. <laughs> <laughs> yep.
2: And exactly. Then they start dying, possibly killing each other. Maybe there's something supernatural.
3: Uh, but yep. I looked up reviews and they're not good. So, that, yeah, that's yeah wh- they that, wasted the premise. But someone wh- out there, remake that because uh, that's a killer premise. That's where yeah. I was
0: with much of this week's movie, more so than any other week I can remember in thirty twenty ten history. And like I, everything I looked up, like I'm going to hate that. That's going to be terrible. <laughs> I'm going to wait until the last minute before I even bother to try and watch it. Such as cheerful weather for the wedding with Felicity Jones, Luke Treadway, and Elizabeth McGovern. I would be nowhere near this movie and don't feel like appraising it because it's not yeah. like it got great reviews. <laughs> on yeah own. it
2: also didn't get great reviews and you know it's an adaptation of a story from i think the 20s and it's about you know a woman on her wedding day who's from a fancy about... background and trying to figure out if she really wants to get married and yeah, like i think maybe it's just because elizabeth elizabeth mcgovern is there but like so many reviews were just like this is like a bad episode of down Abbey. i don't like it I'm like all right fine moving on
0: and moving on to noah emmerich mike mcglone ed louder again uh, Tom Geary, Anita Gill- Gillette, uh, Caitlin Fitzgerald, Connie Britton, Heather Burns, Carrie Bish, and uh, The Fitzgerald Family Christmas.
2: I'm seeing an a mm. lot of Irish names in there. I think <laughs> Ed Burns is somewhere nearby. Oh, there he is. He's yeah. the writer-director.
3: Uh, so another film I didn't watch, but apparently it's one of the rarer of Christmas movies I can remember and that the theme is forgiveness. Mm. Hmm. Do you forgive someone who wronged the family? Uh, right. what, this being a father yeah. who walks out and his seven children out. twenty yeah. years ago, mm-hmm.
2: yeah, and then all the the seven Irish kids have to get together and they all have their own different problems and yeah, yeah a lot of reviews were were pretty good, uh, saying that you know that's a lot of characters and a lot of storylines to balance out and that that it ends up working out and you know you feel like you've been with the Fitzgerald family at their Christmas and everyone's good in it and yeah, I mean Ed Burns' the mileage really varies for me. Where it's just what like you, What you gotta me, Tony? I'm making the best movies I can out there. Yeah, <laughs> this sounds like a better one. Actually, again, I feel I don't like hate I, it burns. I I burns. Yeah, I appreciate what he's trying to do. You know, let's let's make it. Let's make Irish Woody Allen movies without the Woody Allen.
0: So, so I'm looking at the list of movies, and like, good lord, I hate all these. And, oh, this one sounds like the worst of the bunch, but it oh boy, stars Bill Murray. Movie. Bill Murray. I will give, and it's on HBO Max. I'll give this a shot. Eleanor Braun, Elizabeth Marvel, Elizabeth Wilson, Olivia Coleman, and Olivia Williams, uh, Samuel West, Laura Linney, and Bill Murray, and Hide on the on Hudson, Hyde Park on Hudson. This movie, did you this, try? this This movie, Phil. What did I not say it right?
2: No, but did you did you try yes. to actually watch it? You're like, oh good, a Bill Murray movie?
0: Hey, a Bill Murray movie. I'm like, holy shit, is this movie was this movie made three decades ago? It is so slow. And I don't mean yeah. that like it's taking its time and the visionary is all beautiful. Like there is no reason to spend as long as it does telling the story that it has to tell.
3: No, you can pretty much skip the first half an hour of this film and view it as a minor sequel to the King's speech. Just like start right where the king and queen is arriving uh, to meet FDR before World War II starts. And that's it. This is not a good film about FDR. No. Mm. It's possible there has never been a good film about FDR, which kind of amazes me. I
0: only read, It's, it's about FDR's affair with Laura Linney's character, which Apparently, may never even have happened at all. It just no FDR fucked. Yeah, but he, not he with this. Not with this. Not with this person. Like a lot of that stuff is fictionalized right. to, to, for the movie. Right. Because well, that's... I guess
2: it's based on her letters and journals and diaries, which were found after she died at age ninety nine. In the early nineties, and she's like his sixth cousin. Yes, <laughs> but oh yeah, yeah. But, no, that's, but that's FDR was unusual. Fucking,
3: FDR yeah, F- and Eleanor Roosevelt were their
2: cousins. Yeah. Cu- yeah. Yeah. No, FDR was fucking everyone except Eleanor. Yeah. I mean, they had some kids and then that was it. But then she was playing around, you know, on her own. She she was, had an affair with a, a reporter that was covering her. Who was a woman? <laughs>
0: this I, this movie was like almost insufferable. In, in terms of its pacing, and it's just, and I, I went back, like looked at reviews, I'm like okay, the reviews are on my side here.
3: Yeah. Fuck this movie. Well, I, I just couldn't help watching this, thinking of the performance of Daniel Day Lewis on Lincoln, another one of my mm-hmm. favorite presidents, mm-hmm. and then in that movie, Daniel Day Lewis disappeared, and I just saw Lincoln. At no point in this film was Bill Murray anyone but Bill Murray. Mm-hmm. He never became FDR for a second in this film.
2: No, yeah, I just, yeah, yeah. I mean, mostly it's about, uh, yeah, FDR's private life. He did have a whole bunch of affairs, but it's also about, yeah, George VI and uh, Elizabeth, the Queen Mother coming to visit. And so it was kind of fun to have Olivia Coleman playing her mom from <laughs> The Crown. She played Queen Elizabeth II for two seasons on The Crown and then is now playing that lady's mom
0: Oh, and, uh, they looked
2: alike, I guess it makes sense. Yeah, this was just a I I noped out. I, I was also like, and I'm a history nerd and I like this little story. It's funny that like right. the king and queen are coming. They shouldn't be king and queen because of the abdication, but here they are and then they get served hot dogs and they're like, what the fuck?
3: <laughs> <laughs> what is this hot dogs? What is the purpose of these hot dogs?
0: Ooh, yeah. What are these is hot it? dogs? Well, I never... Yeah.
2: And then, yeah, the idea of you know, George the Sixth and FDR sort of bonding over, like, yeah, we're in charge, but we have, like, major disabilities, and we have to overcome them. It's rah-rah, we're cool. Yay.
0: And a mo- nice. the movie I had the least interest in was the one the oh, movie going public had movie. the most interest in, and it still didn't make its money back. I've never heard any <laughs> praise for Catherine Zeta-Jones, Judy Greer, James Tupper, Noah Lomax, Uma Thurman, Dennis Quaid, Jessica Biel, and Gerard Butler in Playing for Keeps. He was the best in the game. George What are you doing with your time? Post-soccer. And an amateur at life.
3: You're late. Can I take him for dinner after? We'll for a back by seven. We'll
0: back by seven. But this holiday season... Who's the new soccer coach? Stacy's ex. When you have a second chance...
2: Give a thing what it might have been like if I'm screwed all up.
0: All the time, I wondered.
2: Take your shot.
0: Let's go out there and
1: get these white Yeah! Let's get these one girls! Ugh.
0: It's Like an unfunny uh, Eastbound and down. Mm. (laughs) Yes. famous soccer player goes and teaches kids soccer in a comedy they're really trying to market to look like Love Actually I think that's what I found infuriating the poster looks like Love Actually this does not take place during the holiday season
2: yeah Love Actually meets the Mighty Ducks like what if the Mighty Ducks was a (laughs) rom-com
0: yeah fuck this movie
2: (laughs) with way too many overpowered actors like all of these people deserve better yep yeah, no, it's Bad Dad, Soccer Dad. I think that's what they call it on, um, <laughs> what's it called? Uh, <laughs> how did this get made? I think that's what it is. They they went through a lot of Gerard Butler movies, and each one is dumber than the last. Yes, yeah, yeah. This one, you know, it seems like competently made, but I know exactly how this is going to go, which is like what people want from holiday sure. era- time rom-coms generally. It's like, oh, he really misses his ex. He really screwed up. He's got a cute Moppet. Can he pull his shit together? and change and i wonder all these other women are like trying to get him to fuck him and then he's like no maybe i'll get back together with my ex and then she's like you've changed and i love you now i'm not Mm -hmm.
0: i don't want to yeah it's like i didn't want to bother seeing this because obviously there's an appetite for this kind of entertainment around the holidays and my you know my girl likes your christmas movies and for me like someone who considers themselves like I like so many aspects of pop culture turning on her Netflix and seeing the amount of Christmas movies they do not bother to tell me exists I am unaware (laughs) of the Christmas Prince trilogy like never has it been showcased to me in Netflix to her up at the top it is up at the very very top so this kind of holiday feel goodery isn't out of sorts it's just something I don't know that we'll see theatrically anymore because it's I something I I not so. yeah so completely yeah. sublanded this this genre this genre even though it's not a holiday film and yeah. uh yeah
2: yeah oh also I should throw out speaking of other podcasts about movies and I I hate to plug other podcasts Never. but we hate movies just did Bram Stoker's Dracula mm-hmm. spent like two hours on it and it was hilarious and they brought up a bunch of stuff that we brought up so you know I was impressed. They copied like, us,
0: is what I'm hearing. Yes, that's what they're I totally
2: drafting off of us. Yeah, yeah. it's impossible and to I, have the
0: same takeaway from the same film. It, we did yeah. it first. Yeah,
2: and one, yeah, and one more thing. Shout out, uh, Wojciech Kilar, who did the fucking awesome music in that. Did the music in the pianist.
0: Oh, the pianist.
2: A TV. very, very different kind of score. Not screaming and blood is flying kind of score.
0: Well, if the movies of 2012 b- bored you, we got at least two good holiday episodes of some very notable shows. In 2012, December 2nd to the 8th, Kick Batowski uh, first off, is a, the suburban daredevil. That ends on Disney XD, even though it begins in my brain, being the, this is the first I've ever heard about it.
3: Yes, you were not the marketplace no. for kids' television shows in 2012, Chris. <laughs>
0: yes, um. so, uh, Kit, uh, an adult without a premium cable package, having no yeah. idea this existed.
3: Uh, basically, it's a kid who wants to be evil Knievel and he tries to make the most mundane situations of his suburban life into a stunt show. Wow, uh, that's cute. you know, yeah, um, there's no lore, there's no world building, it's just a serial adventure show of a kid having fun and adventures in suburbia.
0: Yeah, I wanted that stuntman status for myself at one point, but now, as I guess. The Younger generation, they got you got to look up Steve O. That's, that's that's our that's our working stuntman. No <laughs> evil can evil anymore,
1: yeah.
0: And and yes, you're now you're definitely rooting for him to fail. But moving on to the things we did see more than likely, the office Dwight Christmas. I was shocked. How did it take them eight years to come upon this name, Dwight
1: Christmas? <laughs>
3: But uh, Because this is the final season. I mean, I'm uh, shocked at how much gold is in this final season of The Office because I still see this reference to this day.
0: Well, it's got to be the strength of Belschnickel. Among the many traditions Dwight celebrates that are awful on The Office, just just the worst traditions white people have to offer... And I think now so, we're we're all a little more familiar with his Pete friend, which they ve- it's very wonderfully acknowledged oh, in the episode. Is
2: to Pete is there?
0: Yeah. Uh, you yes. You know,
2: a, a lot of the things that Dwight brings up as being like from his Nazi grandma are are real things. Yes,
3: this is a real thing. It is a real yeah. thing. Belshnickel is real. Have
0: more aware of it now. Belschnickel.
2: Oh, judgment is
0: nigh,
3: for the Belshnickel is I.
0: Yes, he is finally nigh.
3: I am nigh. Every year my grandfather would dress up as Belschnickel at Christmas. He was okay at it. I am great. You know they say some people were born to be bad. Well, I was born to be Belschnickel.
0: <laughs> mm, Belschnickel is just just awful, man. It's why like the the cultural appropriation within Christmas is worthy of some scorn but it really did work out very well when you compare it to shit like <laughs> Just We're going to cherry pick what we want from this European tradition and put it into Christmas. Yeah,
2: yeah just, just pick out the parts and add stuff like, oh no, Santa he has a sleigh with magic reindeer as opposed to Santa and his buddy Black Pete come on a boat from <laughs> <Yeah>. Spain.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> or a bell flies from Paris and gives you chocolate for Easter. Yes. Let's just have a bunny. Just, bunnies are fun. Let's have
0: a bunny. Put a star on top of the tree. How about that? Some glowing
3: <laughs> ornaments. Love. But it, uh, it, I love Dwight's joy at playing Belshnickel because I have played Santa, and there is a joy that comes from playing that role. And you do kind of think, you know, I, I'm doing a pretty darn good Santa here. Yes. There's a, and it's
0: a great performance because he's like, playing Belschnickel, but also he has to be Dwight at the same time and he doesn't bring character <laughs> for a long time. Uh, it sort of canonized Die Hard as Christmas Entertainment, and that's fine. Just, you know, stop arguing about it. Enjoy Die Hard Don't whenever argue. you feel like it. Uh, and then I'll, I'm guessing like right afterwards or before, I forget what they were on the schedule, Parks and Rec, Ron and Diane, uh, the a, a pretty wonderful Christmas episode of Parks and Rec. And yeah. uh, Ron is nominated for an award I I really haven't fired up my Peacock account in a while, so I did these episodes just to take the taste of, analyze that out of my mouth. Ron gets an award for craftsmanship in the field of chair. Recently, I made a chair. When I was finished, I thought it was a good chair. I submitted it to the Indiana Fine Woodworking Association, who
3: felt it merited consideration for an award. It's been a real whirlwind. <laughs> <laughs> I just love that end to that. It's been a real whirlwind. <laughs> yeah, the, it, I, uh, and that's a line I quote sometimes when there's a very mundane, regular track of events that leads to something that I like, and I go, "It's been a real." It's world the win. the
0: greatness of Ron Swanson taking taking absurd delight in only the most mundane of masculine and male activities and watching him nerd out a little bit as he's at the award show is that what his next clip is from yeah they didn't tell me that <laughs> mary mother of god <laughs> that's christian Bexfort. he's the modern master of the shaker style i'd never dreamed that i'd see him in the
2: flesh go over and say hello
3: no i'm sure he gets swamped with attention all the time Ooh! If you ladies will excuse me, there is a jack plane that needs my attention.
1: Go on.
3: <laughs> and and the master is just standing there all alone doing nothing. It
0: looks like a, the cross between Creed and Larry David. And, <laughs> uh, but yeah, fun episode, interesting spin. You get Tammy comes back. Uh, yeah, and I love the idea of uh, Diane being jealous of the relationship Leslie and uh, Ron have. She's the one who's. Threaten, yeah. Threatening to their relationship, and mm-hmm. I think in,
2: and who the, who is the only woman who would be an equal for Ron Swanson,
0: mm-hmm. Zena? Yes, <laughs> yes, Lucy Lawless. And then also, lastly, this week we have Finding Mrs. Claus on Hallmark Channel. Oh no! Uh, I don't know anything about this. Play the clip. We it have a you. clip.
3: Sunday. Was the week before Christmas, and poor Mrs. Claus felt no love from Santa. She was at a loss. So with magic sparkle, Mrs. Claus grinned. Next stop with the reindeer, the city of Sin. Oh. Yikes! Oh!
2: Mama needs a new my <gasps>
3: Every weekend.
2: What's the point of being nice, huh?
3: 50 star studded. What's in Las Vegas? Holidays and nights. Beautiful showgirls, free drinks, party capital of the world. Signing Mrs. Claus. World premiere.
2: Sunday at 9. Oh, yeah.
3: goodness the gracious. The plot is Mrs. Claus goes to Vegas. Steps out. Good lord.
2: Uh, now, here's why we should be mad at Harvey Weinstein. This is what Mira Sorvino had to do.
0: Yeah. Oh, my God. That was her.
2: He
0: her. Yeah. Oh, um.
2: So she's in Finding Mrs. Claus with Will Sasso.
0: Oh, and uh, yeah, moving on to games of two, 2012, Far Cry 3, I always forget, is released like really early in December, which is
1: wow.
0: kind of un- like most games do not release around this time. Most Far Cry games typically release in March or early in the summer. But Far Cry 3 being, I it didn't, it didn't occur to me for a long time that Far Cry was one of my favorite series because I, I do love them quite a bit. And Far Cry, I feel like
3: this is when Far Cry became huge. Like Far Cry one and Far Cry two were decent things, mm-hmm. but I feel like Far Cry three is when it was like, holy crud, we are now a major franchise.
0: I think with, with Voss, uh, is that his name? Uh, what's yeah, oh, I, forgot, I forgot his name, Nacho from uh, Better Call Saul, shaping it around a villain like that. Was the perfect formula for farm, and in, in, in addition to all of the gameplay elements, I love capturing territories. I love the progression. It's very Ubisoft in that way, but like I but played, but it was new in two thousand twelve. Well, it, there was I... there was that in Far Cry two more than it was in Far Cry one. But Far mm-hmm. Cry one had this, it, it lacked the silliness and fun and like kind of batshit hallucinatory stuff that would eventually be introduced to the series. And uh, Far Cry three, I think, really is where far cry
3: nails its formula well it was a far more lush and mm-hmm. vibrant and open world than was common at the time and had such a great mix of you can choose to go rambo here or you can go stealth it's up to you
0: yeah but just, and
3: the hallucinatory elements though i swear that's part of far cry you gotta have yeah.
0: that and uh it sort of begins here even though there's a you do have to take a lot of pills and two but I'm trusting, I didn't bother looking at this at all because I trusted JR to know. On PSN and XBLA, Guardians of Middle-Earth, what the fuck is that? Uh,
3: it's a multiplayer online battle arena on consoles, mm-hmm. and it doesn't seem to be remembered fondly. And uh, I'm guessing specific. totally lost and unavailable to everyone. Yeah, no one cared about it. Sorry, Middle-Earth fans, you don't get mean. a MOBA.
0: And we're gonna get some plugs out of the way, but stay right there because we're gonna tell you who died during this period of 30, 2010, as well as uh, a quiz you can play along with on who was born. Uh, I just wanted to say thanks to everyone for listening. Uh, patreoncom time. We ask for five bucks. You can give us more. Give us less. Um, we do appreciate everybody for supporting uh, this show and the other shows in the Laser Time Network throughout all this. Vigium Apocalypse is hitting 500 this week. 500 episodes. Yeah. Uh, that's almost ten years of really on un, like uncut, no, yeah, no missed days. Unbelievable milestone for Vigilant Apocalypse*. Congrats to Maddie and uh, Maddie Allen and uh, Mr. Danny Goodman, Michael Parez. We have a special guest joining us for a very weird and self-referential topic. If you miss hearing us bullshit off the cuff about our our own nonsense, it's kind of a self-indulgent episode. But you know, after five hundred, I think we earned it, and we all had to do it around me having to go to a Christmas party on the weekend it just everybody kind of like had to pull like pull themselves out of something in order to do this because of uh, time constraints over the holidays so I hope people like it and appreciate it Uh,
2: So I heard you guys recording that and it went on for a really long time so I'm assuming for the 500th episode you go through every other top five that you've ever done so it's a top 2,500
0: I mean, <laughs> it's pretty close to what actually happened. <laughs> Tune in to find out. So, so Diana doesn't step on it. But yeah, patreon.com slash laser time. Who knows? Maybe we'll put up another apocalypse guide where you do a full in-depth look at a single video game because we all have God of War. But anyway, uh, Diana,
2: where, where, where are you at? What's going on? Well, they can find me. Everyone can find me on the Twitter at listeningerd, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D or follow the show at 302010podcast, a 302010podcast. I feel like this week was us getting the chaff out of the way next week goes hardcore oh my god uh we're gonna talk about an unexpected journey we are going to talk about the last star trek movie of a group of star trek movies oh goodness we Damn are no. going to talk about are, one one of the most important rap albums of all time. We already
0: talked about Star Trek 6. I know it's going to be.
2: Yeah. We're going to talk about the Muppet Christmas movie that you do know.
3: Hell yeah. Oh, and, heck yeah.
2: And we're going to find out whether we can handle the truth.
0: <laughs> wow. Holy shit. That's a lot to get to. That's oh. a lot. It is a, a really
2: good week.
0: All right, JR.
3: You got anything to plug out there? No, I'm still staying off the grid. Check well, out Talking uh,
0: Terrific Television it. for more Sopranos stuff. I, like your insight well, like, into talking Sopranos
3: Television is is over. I know, I know, um, but
0: like you, I, I've watched the Sopranos all the way through over five times. So sometimes, you know, getting the show the other week, it's just like, are we slowing it down? Like I don't care. I love talking this in depth about Sopranos with someone else who gives a fuck.
3: So if you do yeah, too, Talking Terrific Television will take you all the way there. Yep, start in like season two of Talking Terrific Television. <laughs> it took uh, the sound quality is pretty bad in season one, to be mm. honest. And I was still learning the ropes. But uh, yeah, yeah, if you're looking for an examination of The Sopranos, uh, I think we're the best podcast out there. Yeah, I really do. You're the
2: only one out there. There are no other <laughs> podcasts about No, No,
3: no,
0: none. Yeah, not with any cast members from The White Lotus or anything
3: like yeah, that. Yeah, that, that that didn't release like the day after <laughs> us, so you know <laughs> it would just like swamp any hope of getting new viewers. No, that didn't happen.
0: Uh, with that out of the way, we got to figure out who died during this period of thirty twenty ten. Who died?
2: Well, in 2012 is when we lost serial killer Israel Keys, 34. This is a shame because we will never know exactly how many victims he has. Probably more than 12 at least three or four that we know of he killed himself in prison which uh sucks because ah i i want a full accounting and i wanted him to suffer
3: well i think Mm -hmm. he just wanted to add to his body count he was like damn it i needed uh, an even 13.
2: yeah Yeah. he was a you don't want to read if you're into serial killers you probably already know about him um he was very slippery he was good at being a serial killer honestly he he had it figured out how to get away with it for a very long time um he's a horrible individual you know who's a great individual though i don't think i've ever heard a bad thing about and mm. i i hope i'm right about that dave brubeck jazz legend dave brubeck we lost at 91 mm. and uh if you don't know that name yes you do we're gonna go out with his most famous work there and you'll you be go. like oh yep. yeah
0: I, I remember not knowing what he had done until the Grand Theft, one of the Grand Theft Auto soundtracks included him on there. I'm like, oh, that's really? Rubeck? Okay. And I did yeah. see one more death uh, that we didn't have on there, oh, like notable for me because he was in two shows that I really liked. Uh, Glenn Quinn, uh, actor. He was Becky's husband on Roseanne and he was, oh. uh, I forget his name, an angel, but he was an integral part of Angel got to use his native Irish accent in that. And uh, he passed away of an accidental drug overdose in. Oh,
3: oh God, well, yeah, yeah. That guy, yeah, Doyle. Doyle, yes, Angel, right?
0: Doyle, Doyle passed away in 2002, 2002.
2: Yeah, yeah, only 32 years old. Yeah, God yeah, it's
0: a bummer. If you wonder why you didn't see him on Roseanne, there you go. Uh, mm-hmm. Or the Connors, as it's called.
2: He looks like he's a missing Wilson brother. <laughs> he, he could be Owen Wilson's brother. He is
0: now. Yeah. But with that out of the way, what do we have up next, Jared? Time don't strain yourself.
2: Birthday <laughs> birthday. Birthday
3: is a All right. Turning 69. Nice. 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 Uh, do do? Born in numbers. Athens, Georgia on December 8th, 1953. She was the first, but not the last, Bond girl to win an Oscar award. Oh, she. Um, had that. Hmm, Diana. No, okay, you can't put not Holly Berry. An Oscar. No, not Holly. No, no. you can't. She had put a high oh. profile relationship with Prince, whom she recorded an album with. Hollywood Hair. Oh, ah, got it. Okay, Diana has it, but I'm going to say the movies for our listeners at mm-hmm. home. The Burning. These are all ones we've talked about on the show. The Burning plane, The cenital Eight Mile. I dreamed of Africa, no mercy, blind date, my mm-hmm. stepmother is an alien. Ray Liotta? Cool world.
0: <laughs> All right, I got it Nine now. Ten and
3: a half weeks. Batman.
0: I got it. Yeah.
2: Kim, Kim Basinger. Basinger. Yeah.
0: But Diana definitely had it first. I trust her
3: on that. Oh,
2: that was tough. Actually, when I said I had it, I was actually like slightly off. Oh. I was well, thinking it,
3: your victory is no, null wait, wait.
2: My, my victory is null and void because I was actually thinking of Sheena Easton, so but she was only nominated for a song for a Bond movie. She was not in a Bond movie, and that song did not win. Also, is Kim Basinger really a Bond movie? Was an unofficial Bond movie? Never Say Never Again doesn't count.
3: I am, it's just really a remake is? of Thunderball. But still, that's a, James that's Bond. A hill you're going to die on, huh?
2: I will die on this. I, I What
0: What the fuck did she do with Prince? I'm sorry. Like, I don't know anything about this.
3: Oh, she, she was she in a relationship was, and they released was, an album. They did?
2: Yeah. There, There is a track that is allegedly she is blowing him while he's singing.
3: Oh, I love learning new shit. Like, that. holy
0: crap, allegedly. I've never heard of this.
2: I don't know if she ever just mentioned that. I'm sure she says, no, that's not true.
3: Someone should ask her in this day.
0: Yeah, I just watched the Prince episode of New Girl. I'm like, what the fuck? Was Prince a New Girl fan? Where do, yes. What, what the hell? <laughs> That's like,
2: why he's on. I know, you. like, why else he really would
0: he do it? He didn't do anything else, so he must have liked something there.
2: I, I love that. It just adds to the randomness. It's like, he never popped up in things. No,
0: never. And he, I love that he's treated like as it, like an Oprah 30 Rock deity during the episode. Sorry, it's new to me. Uh, I don't know when we'll talk about it again. But thank you thank you so much. Another win for Diana. Patreon.com slash Time. If JR ever gets social media again, thank you him for recording during COVID. And uh, yeah, thank you guys so much for your patience with some of the lateness of the postings. We do appreciate, uh, yeah, your kindness during those periods. And we'll go out with Take Five by Dave Brubeck, a song you've definitely heard. I didn't know I'd heard it until like 10, 15 years ago. And uh,
2: oh. Yeah. yeah, check out, like go go to YouTube or something and find Best of Brubeck and mm-hmm. just put it on while you're cooking and you'll feel so classy.
0: Every movie uses it in scenes where someone is typically in a kitchen that is classy, cooking. Yeah, you having a drink to...
2: of wine and you're cutting your vegetables Pressing for the, the big girl. dinner party later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you will feel like the classiest motherfucker.
0: Indeed. Well, take us out, Dave, and we will see you guys next week.